down to business. I got my wild cherry dyed Pepsi. And uh, I got my blackjack gum here. And I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. Uh, I got my blackjack gum here. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. Come out to the coast. We get together. Have a few laughs. Oh, you. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? Drinking heaven. Put that coffee down. Well, Lenny, this calls for the old Billy Barule. That's a huge bitch! The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Hey, what's going on, everybody? You've tuned into the one and only Hot Tag. It's yours truly, Shaheen. And Boxman. And we are the Persian and the Jew. You can check us out every Wednesday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Mixler.com slash THT Podcast. And make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and show us some love by leaving a review. Really, really helps spread the name of the show. And for as little as $5 a month, you can listen to us on Patreon.com slash THT Network. That's right. Every week, we release a brand new exclusive episode for our Patreons only, including THT Extras, Persian and the Jews, and live commentary over pay-per-views. And for you movie fans out there, listen to Anthony and me on THT Movie Review every other Saturday right here on Mixler and anywhere you find good podcasts. And don't forget to visit NuclearHeatGraphics.com where you can find my original art prints which focus on all the nostalgic things that we love growing up, including movies, wrestling, and Saturday morning cartoons. Nuclear Heat Graphics. Nuclear handcrafted designs of nostalgic horror. We have such sights to show you. Wrestling. You, Hulk Hogan, must self-destruct. Retro cartoons and entertainment. A fellow chucker, eh? Portraits, customized posters, fan posters, and so much more. Nuclear Heat Graphics. Dot com. Art makes us human. I got a lot of fears, man. I got a lot of fears as a parent. I'm gonna tell you guys one of my biggest fears. One of my biggest fears is my son growing up and being gay.
That's a fear. Keep in mind, I'm not homophobic. I have nothing against gay people. Be happy. Do what you want to do. But me being a heterosexual male, if I can prevent my son from being gay, I will. Now, with that being said, I don't know if I handle my son's first gay moment correctly. Like, every kid has a gay moment, okay? Every kid. But when it happens, you got to nip it in the bud. You got to stop it right there. Hey, stop. That's gay. It's quick. No. I don't know. I don't know if I handle my son's situation right, okay? He's at a birthday party, right? My son had a birthday party. He's playing. You know when kids play, they just play. You don't know what they're doing, but they're having a good time. They're just doing a bunch of stuff, right? They're moving around. I said, okay, he's good. I finished talking. I turned back around and checked on my son again. A little boy was grinding on my son's ass. <laughs> he was like this. I, I didn't know what to do. I panicked. I knocked them both down. <laughs> hey, what's going on here? What kind of party is this? Huh? What kind of party is this? What's going on here? This lady came out, she's like, what are you doing? They kids, let them play. I said, well, you show me another kid getting fucked in the ass and I'll calm down. <laughs> My son had on corduroys, that's why I had an attitude. Cause I didn't see it, I heard it. All I heard was who the hell is playing cards? What is that? Is somebody shuffling cards? They're too young for spades here. The thing that pissed me off, here's what pissed me off, man. I was eating a buffalo wing when it happened. <laughs> I should have dropped the wing and ran over there, but I licked my fingers first. I, I didn't mean it. I said, hey, boy. <laughs> the black enemy came out. All right. There you go, everybody. What is going on? It is Saturday night. Uh, we are making up for last Saturday when I had no computers, so we couldn't do the show. Appreciate everybody joining THT Movie Review, the one, the only THT Movie Review. And with me is the one, the only, Double A. Anthony, what's going on, Anthony? What's going on, Box? What's going on, THT Universe? There you go. And I'm sure everybody's saying, well, they're supposed to be doing Scrooge. Why are they playing a Kevin Hart shit? Well, I want to get into the Kevin Hart thing before we get into the actual Scrooged movie. Um, I, I, I would have gotten to this last week, but of course we weren't around. I know this might be a little old by now, but, um, I still want to be able to kind of speak my piece on it. And I assume it has to do with movies. So what, what, what better show to do it on? Right, Anthony? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So Kevin Hart had to, or chose, I don't know if chose is the right word. I would say it was forced to. Uh, stepped down as host of the, what is it, the Oscars or something? No, the uh, uh, Golden Globes. The Oscars. Is it the Oscars? Okay. The Oscars. Of the yeah. Oscars, which I got to be honest with you. I haven't watched one of these award shows since I was in a kid, in, in, like a kid in my mom's house, and she forced me to watch it. That was the last time I think I've watched any of these award shows. They're useless, in my opinion. Useless. Yeah, over the last few years, they've gone to shit for a lot of reasons. True, they've made it about one thing, especially the past couple of years, but I've always thought they were useless even before that. So, what the hell? Might as well just, you know, I don't care if they do these things or not. But, uh, Kevin Hart had to step down because of some tweets he put out. The latest, the, the oldest tweet is from 2009. The newest one they could find is from 2011. 
Okay, so once again, we're digging back into people's pasts to fuck with them, to ruin their careers, to... Listen, I know we've talked about this a ton of times, Anthony. We have, correct? Yes, we have. Here's my biggest problem. We are holding ourselves as a society to an impossible standard to a utopian perfection that does not exist remember when we used to always say oh no nobody's perfect everybody makes mistakes yeah what happened to that what what level are we supposed to uh, what standard do they want us to hold i don't get do they want robots are we supposed to be robots i i don't get it i really don't um Here's a couple of the actual tweets, though, Anthony, just so we can, you know. Yeah, give some context for the people yeah, out there. Yeah, so that, yeah, yeah, little I context. Know yeah, and one of them, he actually quotes his own um, show that he that I just played for you. You'll hear that one also. Uh, let's see. One of them says um, Kevin Hart was replying to someone and says it's either funny. Uh, it's funny either you look like a gay version of Chris Brown put on a shirt fag. All right. 2010, remember that? Just stick that in your mind. 2010. Uh, another Kevin Hart tweet. Uh, yo, what the fuck is going on with at Wayne215? I don't know who who that is. Do you know who that is? Uh, no. Oh, no, Lil Wayne. It's Lil Wayne. Is that Lil Wayne? Okay. And yes. all this gay shit. Say it ain't so, man. Is he coming out of the closet? All right. That wasn't, so, that wasn't bad again. 2009. Okay. All right. Uh, another one. Look how gay at H good speed looks when he sleeps. It looks like he's dreaming about whistling, laughing my ass off. Okay, okay. 2010, 2010. All right. 2011. This is the one where he quotes his own show. You actually just heard the words that I'm, I'm about to say. Yo, if my son comes home and tries to play with my daughter's dollhouse, I'm going to break it over his head and say in my, in, in my voice, Stop! That's gay! He just said those exact words almost with the stop that's gay. Alright, another one I just overheard. Another one about Lil Wayne. Say he wants to get a tattoo on his stomach of at Rick Rose, a rapping for his birthday. Major no homo and pause. Okay, those are a few of them. I'm not going through all the... There, there's a few more. Um, and... People, of course, started going, when's he going to apologize? Blah, blah, blah. And Jesus said, Christ. I, <laughs> go ahead, Anthony. I, I've been talking for a minute on this here. Oh, no, no. Just the whole thing, man. And that Jesus Christ was not directed at you personally. Just the, just the whole situation. Just first off, like you said many times on this show, and we'll continue to say, and I'll echo those sentiments. A comedian apologizing just makes me lose so much respect. Because look, at the end of the day, you're a comedian, mm-hmm. and to me, there's no there's no uh, holes barred when it comes to comedy. Everything's subjective. Everybody has a right to feel how they feel on certain things, but making somebody apologize for shit. I looked up his birthday. He's actually 39 years old. His okay. birthday is July 6th, so he's much like me. He's he's from Philly, and he's a Cancer. So yeah, just wanted to put that out there. He's 39, so that means he was roughly 30, 29, 30 when he made these tweets. Bob, right. when you were twenty nine thirty, did you say some stupid shit? Oh God, yeah. I still say stupid shit. Remember? 
<laughs> we wouldn't have a show if you didn't. If I did, we wouldn't have a show, right? It's still no, but I mean, to hold people accountable, it's one thing to hold people accountable, but to try to bring somebody's career down and deter it over shit that they said like 15, 10, 5 years ago. People have a right to grow and develop and mature. And I, I think we should also point out when he made these tweets, he did apologize for them in the moment. So it's not like he's apologizing for the first time now. Right. He apologized for them in the moment. Right. And by multiple way, times. Yeah, multiple times. Exactly. You know, here's, by the way, one more. Um, why does at Damon DW profile look like a gay billboard for AIDS? Boom. I'm on fire tonight. These are jokes, people. <laughs> Fuck, look, Anthony's laughing. They're jokes. So this, you know, SJW just, you know, last week posts a, a thing. Uh, let me just give you his Twitter name and Twitter handle. His Twitter name is Truth and Justice. Twitter handle at the Gay Christ. Are AIDS, are jokes about AIDS ever funny? Hashtag Kevin Hart. Hashtag no Kevin Hart. Hashtag Kevin Hart is over party. Um, okay. Another person said, I wonder when Kevin Hart is going to start deleting all of his old tweets. And But well, what Anthony said, though, is Kevin Hart did refuse to apologize this time because he's addressed this several times. Several times. And, I mean, if you've followed any of his career, yeah, he has apologized. And he has even apologized to the LGBTQ community for the, the, the insensitivity in the past. So this is nothing he hasn't de already dabbled in, talked about, gotten into, been forgiven for. But now it seems like, if you remember about two months ago, there was an article going around about Kevin Hart that other comedians were upset with him because he wouldn't... He doesn't trash Trump in his act, and they don't like that he doesn't trash Trump in his act. Makes him different. Makes him unique. You know, here's my thing on that. You know, and, and by the way, jokes are jokes. Everyone's made president jokes. I'm not sitting here going, no one should ever mention the president at all. Respect the office. All right. I understand. That's jokes are jokes. Make them about whoever the fuck you want. Fine. But I can understand where someone wouldn't want to because what you do when you do that is you divide an audience. Yes. You divide an audience. You know, a ton of times on, on the wrestling show we brought up, you know, how, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, one promotion will make, all right, you can either do my promotion or their promotion. It's, it's up to you. Choose. Once again, you're killing the fans. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. You're going to divide your fan base. Why would you be dumb enough to fucking do that? Why would exactly. you want to divide your fan base? Stay neutral, get both sides, and it's a smart fucking move. I get yeah, what I mean, yeah, you brought up the wrestling comparison, you know. We've never, I mean, neither one of us have met the McMahons personally, but it's safe to assume that their families are, they're probably hardcore conservatives, so they're pro-Trump all the way. But even they're not dumb enough to make their platform a pro-Trump platform. They basically, because they want everybody's money. Exactly, exactly. And You want everybody's money. You're right, and it's obvious where the McMahons stand. I mean, they've, they've had Trump on their show. Donald Trump, finger quote, owned Raw for a couple nights. 
And, uh, you know, it, yeah, it's obviously where they stand, but you're right. They don't throw it in our face. They do. They're a company who certainly does not want to divide their audience. Yeah. Certainly. They can't afford to right now. (laughs) No, no, they, exactly. If they divide their audience in half right now, (laughs) bye bye Fox deal. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be horrible. That, That would be horrible. But I completely get why he doesn't want to go up there and do that. It's division of your audience. All right. You go up there and trash Trump. Half of, Look what happened when Wanda Sykes did it. People started walking out of her show. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it was yeah, it was an incident. Uh, yeah, with uh, George Lopez also. Yes, and I know you're not. I know you're not a big George Lopez fan, but getting in fight, it's, he got in a fight. What I guess with a uh, somebody at a Hooters. Yeah, he, that is one of his shows. Yeah, a guy who had a, a MAGA hat on or a Trump shirt, one of the two. Yeah, yeah. and he hit him. <laughs> I'm like Jesus, he like hit him. Sad, bro. I, I, I can't, I, I can't wait for Trump to get out of office. Not because of any like political affiliations or anything like that. Just because I'm just sick of the, where this country's at. We're divided on every fucking thing. Mm-hmm. You just say the name Trump and it's just like unnecessary arguments. I've seen friendships ruined, families ruined. And it's not, folks, it's not that deep. Just leave politics out of it. <laughs> just leave politics out of the conversation from now on, please. Yeah, exactly. And exactly, dude. And, you know, I'm not getting I do not. And I'm definitely not getting political at all on this. I don't care what side you're fucking on. The division is ridiculous. But I will say this. The social justice warriors on both sides, the extreme sides of both sides need to stop. You're we're they're ruining everything. They're ruining Christmas. They're ruining Christmas music. They're ruining their own career. They're ruining careers of people. And I just don't fucking get it. I hate it. It's it's annoying. But then we get Mr. Nick Cannon. Yeah. Mr. Nick Cannon, <laughs> who came out guns a blazing for his boy Kevin Hart. And I gotta tell you, I'm 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 not uh let me say this. I'm not a Kevin Hart hater. I'm also not a Kevin Hart fan. I I I don't mind the guy. I I think he's funny sometimes. I think he's not funny sometimes. He's a, been a little polarizing as of, you know, the last few years. He's been in a ton of fucking movies. Overexposure. <laughs> a little overexposure, but I'm with him on this. I I don't think he should have had a step down. And Nick Cannon comes up here and makes a great point. He pulls out these tweets by, let's start with Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler, uh, this is what a fag bird looks like when he flexes. Hmm. Nick Cannon goes, interesting with the hmm. I wonder if there was any backlash here. Okay. Then he he, he, he keeps going. He gets Sarah Silverman involved. Uh, so oh, yeah. That's Sarah a good Silverman, one. He go, she said a while back. I don't mean this in a hateful way, but the new Bachelorette's a faggot. And he commented, and I fucking love Wreck-It Ralph. Then he goes again uh, with Amy Schumer, who has lately become one of the most annoying people to walk this fucking green earth. Uh, Enjoy Skyfall, fags. I'm about to get knee deep in Helen Hunt. And then Nick Cannon once again comes back with, hmm, I'm just saying, should we keep going? Uh, <laughs> and 
you know, he's saying, you know, I, I he's been fucked up since Twitter started, and all that political, you know, fuck fuck politics. It's time to for truth. Basically, he's bringing out the double standard in Hollywood, which. I think we've not only discussed, but I think we've seen more lately than than ever. Yeah. There is a huge double standard in fucking Hollywood. And it goes a lot of different ways. But, you know, once again, I am 100% on Kevin Hart's side here. I do not think he should have had a step down. But uh, after hearing those tweets, what do you think, Anthony? I think it's bullshit that he stepped down. I'm not the biggest Kevin Hart fan, but I'm a big time proponent of freedom of speech. Especially when it comes to comedians and just this whole, I don't know, man, like Hollywood just, I feel like when it's convenient for them, they have morals. They have selective morality because it's a lot of fucked up shit that goes on in Hollywood that they'll sweep under the rug. But when it's convenient for them to step up and do the right thing, and I'm throwing up the quote fingers because, you know, we all know the right thing for them is bullshit. Then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, you need to step down. You need to apologize. You basically need to kiss the ass of the fags. Sorry. <laughs> Whoa. Sorry. God, not we're sorry. Get, God no, damn it. And I say that tongue in cheek, but do you, do you feel like where we're at now, we're doing too much appeasing for different groups? Well, like we're kowtowing yes. to too many different groups, like to the point where you're trying to not offend everybody and you're offending everybody at the same time. You can't, I mean, you can't please every fucking body. So it's like, where, where do you draw the line? Exactly what I meant when I said we are holding ourselves to an impossible standard. If we keep doing this, we are going to end up being fucking literally robots. Okay. We, we can't say this. Okay. You know what we're, you know what's going to happen? We're going to have to literally stop social media. That's the only way this is going to stop. It seems like. I don't know. Social media social media is fucking up more people's lives over yep. the past what, 7 years I'd say. Yeah. Than anything in the world. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of it is fucking Ringside up. news. Yeah. <laughs> Ringside news. I don't know if they're doing anything to Lars. I think that's going to be a fucking bust and a half for them. They tried. They tried. But <laughs> I I get but we are holding ourselves to an impossible standard. It's this perfect utopian person. Once again, I said it before. No one is perfect. No one is perfect. We all make mistakes. We all say something stupid. We all say something we wish we could take back in anger, in comedy. Any, anybody that you know, they've said something they wish they could take back. They've done something they regret. They wish they could take it back. That's called living life. Yes. Does Hollywood really expect everyone in this world to be this perfect idea of what they think everyone should be like? Come on. Yeah. And and, and don't even get me started on Hollywood, whether it's, you know, Kevin Spacey and his accusations or Bill Cosby and his accusations. It's funny how, you know, after the fact, after the dust settled, you have people coming out shaking their heads saying this is a disgrace and that's a disgrace. But meanwhile, you have all these reports and rumors of people knew what was going on. But because it was convenient and because we could get something out of these people at the time, we could conveniently look the other way. Mm-hmm. 
But now, you know, you have the, you know, the Me Too movement. You have all of these social groups. You don't want to offend the women. All of a sudden, this is a travesty. This is a disgrace. You know, yes, he should be, you know, take all it, take away all of his honorary degrees and we ain't going to get none of the money back. No, that's a no, no. We're going to keep the money, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we're, we're just not going to, we're not going to co-sign for him anymore. That, that's where, that's where I have an issue with. Right. If if you're going to have if you're going to have issues with some how somebody conducts themselves in their personal life, then don't take shit from them. Give them let give them the shit back that you took away from them. Exactly. Don't take the money. Don't take don't reap the benefits because you reap the benefits of their immoral behavior. Yeah. And, you know, I want to check something really just 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 want to check something out really quickly here. Uh, and uh, so uh, real quick, Box, while you're looking at up. Kevin Hart's out. Who replaces uh Kevin Hart to host the Oscar? Is it Billy Crystal for the 87th time? Because Billy Crystal, if you ever notice, whenever some shit happens with the Oscars, a host fucks up somehow or another, it always ends up being Billy Crystal. And I don't have anything against Billy Crystal, but he's the safe one. He doesn't offend anybody. Mm-hmm. He'll tell the same jokes that he always fucking tells. You ever notice that? He seems to be like their go-to person whenever somebody fucks up. So do you think his phone is ringing right now? Probably, because I don't know who else they're going to get to do it. But um, before that, let me let me just ask one thing. These tweets, the latest one was 2011. So he's made about, let's see, one. I'm going to say about 50 movies since then. Okay. Yeah. So where was all the outrage during all these people making money with Kevin Hart? Where was all the outrage? Where, 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 where was all the outrage? Then where? Oh, oh, he doesn't have that many movies coming out lately. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's an issue. Yeah, that's an issue. And it's just like, as much as I wish we still had him, I'm so glad, like, we don't have the likes of, uh, you know, Red Fox and Richard Pryor and George Carlin, even Sam Kennison, because they would absolutely flounder. Their talent would be so stifled in this generation. And, and, and honestly, it would break my heart. I don't want to speak for you. It would break my heart personally to see somebody like Richard Pryor have to apologize for a fucking thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it would break my heart, man. Yeah, and you know, it's funny you mentioned Richard Pryor and Sam Kinison. They are both mentioned in the, uh, in, in not, not mentioned in the, one of them's mentioned in this movie Scrooge, but I have another thing about Sam Kinison. So they're both going to get a little mention tonight. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I don't know if you know that, but they will. Um, but yeah, man, I, I I don't know who else they're going to get to do it. Billy Crystal is probably the safe guy to do it. I don't know if he can. How old is Billy Crystal? Who's in that? I mean, I don't know. Steve Martin, he's still around kicking. I mean, but that's the thing, though. But the, the thing of it is, is that if you really stop and think about it, if you go into everybody, anybody's past, you're going to find shit. I mean, and what I don't like is just like, you know, with the Laura Sullivan shit. I mean, look, if you say fucked up shit, you should be held to it. You put it out there. You put it out on public form. You should be held accountable to what you put out there in the universe. I agree with that 100%. But when you when, to, to, to criticize and, and uh, knock somebody for shit that they said at 15, 20 years old, come the fuck on, dude. Like people say stupid shit when they're young. Yeah. Name me one fifteen-year-old, one twenty-year-old that didn't do or say something fucking stupid. You People are allowed to grow and learn from their mistakes, man. Like Jesus Christ. 
exactly. But they don't want you to do, to do either one. They want you to pay for every mistake you've ever made. But then when they get called out, notice it just goes away. It just goes away. People just somehow, somehow it just all goes to shit. So I don't know. I, I, uh, you know, I have a, you know who else they could get? Martin, uh, they could get Martin. You're, you, you hit one thing with Steve Martin. Even Martin Short could do it. I think Martin, I, is he still around? I mean, yeah. I know he, he's still around, but I, I haven't seen his name mentioned in years for anything. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he still looks decent. Yeah. They Rick should. Moranis. He's kind of come out of hiding. God damn it. Call Dana <laughs> Carvey, you fucking bastards. Oh, yes. By the way, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Dana Harvey, uh, Dana Carvey. Uh, I got Hulu recently. Have you ever watched his uh, original sketch comedy show on ABC? No, is it on there? Yeah, it's on there. Like all eight episodes before uh-huh. it got canceled. Speaking of Hulu, if you want to watch a fucking show, Steven Seagal, that show Lawman, I told you, where he, where he's uh, it's a reality, oh, that's on there. It's a reality show of him being a cop. It was thirteen episodes, one season. Lawman, you can watch it on Hulu right now. Yes, we will be reviewing that then. I'm glad you <laughs> does he does he pull out the guitar, sir? Does he pull out the guitar at any point? I don't. You know what? I think he does. <laughs> and the burning question: Is he still rocking a ponytail? Mm-hmm. He, he got to be in his. Was Steve? He got to be in his sixties, right? Got to uh, be. I think so, but I got to tell you what: that son of a bitch is dangerous with a firearm, dude. <laughs> this motherfucker can light a match from thirty yards away with a fucking nine millimeter. So at this point, would you say Segal is still? Is uh, more credible than uh, Frank Dukes? 100%. <laughs> Look, don't depress me, Anthony. I just, if Weebs was in the chat, he'd probably make me cry right now. Because I just, that Frank Dukes. Yeah, said, yeah, we, yeah we ain't going to let that. Yeah, I, I remember. I, like, <laughs> never. We never should have reviewed Bloodsport. I really did not want to do that kind of research and be so disappointed in a movie. I still love the movie, don't get me wrong. I'm just really disappointed in the whole in, in Mr. Frank Dukes. Yeah, I mean honestly though, but that that be on the level of because I remember that episode. By the way, check the archives mm-hmm. for the uh, double impact episode. Uh, Boxman's disappointment was palatable. Palatable, mm-hmm. you could feel it through the uh, your your speakers. Uh, it will be on the level of uh, finding out that uh, Bruce Lee didn't do his own stunts, right? Oof, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like if you ever, if it ever came, if somebody ever did, like, could you imagine? Imagine somebody doing like really digging into like uh, Elvis's background or Bruce Lee's background, and you found out. Would that really (laughs) break your heart if you found out like uh, fucking uh, Bruce Lee had like a stunt man and he didn't do all his own shit? That would break my heart. Like Jackie Chan had a stunt man. Elvis did have a stunt man, by the way. Um, (laughs) um. And I don't really think Elvis could have kicked 20 people's ass unless it was in a movie. <laughs> he, trust me, he would take a good three, four with him. Elvis was a martial arts expert. So don't, don't, don't get me wrong, but he ain't taking 20 guys unless he's in a movie. Oh, yeah. Oh. Say that. What about, uh, what about our old buddy? Which, by the way, I do want to get to, uh, this guy's name, Ed O'Neill. Oh, legit! You think he, he, yeah, because yeah, because we're gonna get to marry with children coming soon. Oh yeah, and he's got, movie review. You know he's got more than one black belt, right? Oh yeah, yeah. No, break it down. Like, what, what is he like? I know he's a super advanced. Which it, I gotta say, it, it, to this day, it blows my mind. 
that Al Bundy of all people is a certified badass. <laughs> yes. that, that I mean, not, not to say that the, you know, you know, thought the guy was a punk or anything like that, but just, it just like he he never gave off that vibe of like you know being a badass type. But then when you find out, oh shit, this guy could hurt you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, Scott with uh, Scott and Rybert is bringing up a good point. Elvis at that time was way too important to injure, so there was no way they were going to let him do more than throw a few punches in a scene or something. But that was it. That was it. He was he was very valuable. That guy did 20, uh, like 56 fucking movies. Dude. He did a ton of fucking movies, man. But uh, uh, you brought up um, Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. I, be- uh, I know he's got a black belt in Jeet Kune Do, which was Bruce Lee's style. Yeah. I know he's got a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. And I believe he has a black belt in Taekwondo. Now, you're the resident martial arts expert, so I'm going to defer to you on this. Mm-hmm. Hypothetically speaking, if uh, UFC were a thing back when uh, Ed O'Neill was training under Bruce Lee, do you think he could have excelled in it? Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. And uh, Thank you, Miss My Life. Elvis did 31 movies. Um, yeah, I definitely think Ed O'Neill could have. Yeah, he, he'd be a pretty, pretty much a badass in it right now. It blows my mind, bro. Especially with the Jeet Kune Do, because the the punching style of Jeet Kune Do punching is different from regular styles. So it's it's a little different. It's got a little more power, a a lot more snap to it, a lot more hip and a lot more snap. So, yeah, he could definitely be a dangerous dude. And he's black belt in in not only Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but um, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Mm. Um, you've heard of the Gracies. Everyone has. The whole fucking family is famous in mixed martial arts. Yeah. I don't, like I said, I, I can't claim to be like a big time martial arts UFC expert, but it's a few names that once you hear them, you know who they are. I mean, you hear the Gracies, you hear uh, Chuck Liddell, you got the Shamrocks. Oh, don't bring up poor Chuck. Tito just knocked him the fuck out. <laughs> oh, real quick. Uh, are you familiar? You're familiar with Hannibal. He does all the interviews on uh, the. YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't watched any of the clips yet, but I've seen some of the uh, pictures. He did an interview recently with Hank Abbott. Really? He he looks fuck. I mean, my God, has that man aged? <laughs> Yeesh. Gee, oh. I mean, man, he, Jesus. Like, if you get a chance, just check it out on uh, YouTube. Hannibal TV. He's basically he's expanding past wrestlers. He's reaching out to like you know actors. He interviewed uh what Tiny Lister Zeus recently. Yeah, but they've all got some ties and ties to wrestling. Oh yeah. So you know, but I take the Tank Ad. Believe it or not, the Tank Abbott one I'm actually uh, interested in because I know he doesn't have the best. He didn't have the best UFC record, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. I but remember. he, you know, he's one of those. He I, I, I always like Tank. I don't know if you like the guy, but I always thought he was an entertaining uh, character for wrestling. Which his career kind of went a little longer. I he, played, he played a good goofball. His wrestling was fine. I knew he was a a, a fluke fighter. He was a brawler. He he, he was um a Kimbo Slice. He type? was an early Kimbo Slice. Thank you, Anthony. Exactly what I was going to say. He was an early Kimbo Slice. Didn't have much of the training. Couldn't do much. Didn't have any fucking stamina. But could go in there and brawl with the best of them. He would just pound you fucking down like a big fat dude should. A big fucking fat biker. That's what he was. But so I, I, he wasn't I, throwing up, in your opinion, he wasn't necessarily bad. He just didn't have good technique. Uh, 
I I really thought he was kind of a fucking piece of shit when he got in the in in UFC. And when oh. he, I believe he went back, fought Tito Ortiz, and got worked by Tito. Mm-hmm. Was it Tito? I forget who he went back, but I believe he went back and fought Tito, and Tito ripped his ass apart within like seconds. He had him in a fucking uh, heel hook. <laughs> he made him tap. Wow! Him tap. And then I want to look this up. <laughs> made him tap, and I believe that might have been right after or during his WCW run. Oh, so. Yeah, it it was that far back, but that was the last time I saw him in the ring, man. Yeah, and um, I, I vaguely remember because I didn't really watch the show like that at the time. I just remember channel surfing. I think he was actually on an episode of Friends, believe it or not. Tank Abbott might have been, might have been. You could look that up if you want, real quick. Um, but I guess we should get into the movie, huh? Yes, the real main event of this evening. Absolutely, the real main event, Scrooged. 1988 movie this is an adaptation a comedy adaptation i would call this of the uh a christmas carol the the classic christmas tale um now i learned something when i was going through the cast of this movie anthony i i learned something okay shoot i have brought up a movie before called moving violations it's got Jennifer Tilly in it, and I never really thought to look up the actor that played the main character, Dana, in that movie. Well, I found out that gentleman's name is John Murray. This is Bill Murray's brother. Bill Murray's brother in this movie is his brother in real life. Wow. That's insane. Wow. Did you know that? No, I did not. His brother James in this mm-hmm. movie is his actual real life brother. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And his other brother is also in this movie. Give me a second. I will get his other brother's name. His other brother would be. Give me a second here. God damn it. I lost it. <laughs> Hold on a second. I lost the. Uh, I had ah uh, Brian Doyle Murray. Yes, and we had brought his name up on the show before. Brian we Doyle. We have we have brought up his name before on the show. Let's get into a little bit of this uh, a little bit of the cast of this movie because this is the first, I believe, the first Bill Murray movie we've done. Yes. No, no, it's not. We've done Stripes. Oh, we did do Stripes. That's right. How could I forget Stripes? Uh, and I, and I gotta say, like, you know, before we kind of dig deep here, as far as, uh, movies, uh, Stripes is still my, probably my favorite Bill Murray movie, but I have to say, this was peak Bill Murray in terms of sarcasm. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, absolutely it was. And, of course, most of the lines, um, were unscripted in this movie. Yeah, and it felt like it felt like that too. Like this is just, this was just him riffing for most like of, an hour and yes, forty minutes. Most of his lines in this movie were unscripted. Um, of course, that's just kind of how he works. But um, another thing I found funny with his name, uh, Frank's name in this movie is Francis Xavier Cross. This is probably not going to go over everyone's head, but the character in Blue Bloods, the show I watch. Uh-huh. 
Tom Selleck's name is Francis Xavier Reagan. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I doubt it's any tie-in, but I just always i I saw the name today when I was, or I heard the name today when I was reading it, and because um, we only get his name one time when Bobcat Goldthwait says it at the end of the movie, but you know that's just something I picked up. No one else probably would. Uh, and Anthony, before you ask, there is not one, but there is two NYPD blue tie-ins in this movie. Uh, Jeff Joseph, who is the uh, executive at the table that's laughing uh-huh. when he makes the little joke to the guy, and uh, Frank laughs, and he starts laughing, and he looks at him. Uh-huh. He was in one episode of NYPD Blue, and Jack McGee, the gentleman who has the classic line of, you could hardly see those nipples, <laughs> was in eight episodes of NYPD Blue. He was a sergeant at the front desk in the last few, uh, in the later seasons. So there oh, nice. There you go. Two tie-ins. And I was a little nervous. This is a 1988 movie. You know, I was a little nervous we weren't going to get any. But, uh, yeah, obviously we already talked. Frank Cross, Bill Murray. Um, I can't say anything bad about that guy. The funny thing is, though, him and the director in this movie, uh, the director is Richard Donner, who also directed uh, Lethal Weapon 1 and 2, I believe. Um, and they did not get a, get along. Basically, Bill Murray said every minute of every day, they just couldn't get along. He said the script was good, but he was just riffing and the director did not like it very much. Um, <laughs> eh, I, I could see him being a little tough to work with because he is Bill Murray. But um, another person we have in this movie, I, I don't know if you got anything to say about Bill Murray. I mean, we've uh, anything besides how great he is. No, it's like a recurring theme. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to sound redundant throughout the course of this show, but it's nothing really much to add to uh, the greatness that is Bill Murray. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Karen Allen, someone else we've discussed. She was also in Animal House. Her, that was actually her first movie was Animal House. Um, we discussed her in that movie. She plays Claire, the love interest in this movie. Um, which, you know, in, I know in the original, uh, you know, A Christmas Carol, there wasn't really a love interest, but that's not the point. This was an adaptation. This was a loose comedy adaptation of that movie. Um, but Karen Allen, anything, anything. Yeah, I like Karen Allen. She's pretty cool. Oh, very quickly. Uh, are you familiar with Regina King? Yes. Yes, you know her sister's in this movie as well. Really? Yes. Oh, Mabel. No, no, no. No? Not Mabel King, the, uh, yeah, the little girl that was, uh, with, uh, Alfrey Woodard. Like, um, in the kitchen. Oh, in her the grand- kitchen, the little, um. Yes. That's right. She was in a, I, I forget what other TV show she was in recently after this. I want to say 227, but I'm wrong. Yeah, it was 227, yeah. Was it 227? Yeah, they, yeah, they were actually on the, uh, she was on the show for like the, uh, first year or two. The first two years, that's right. Yeah, with Marlon. And then she got phased out, yeah, but that is, that is Regina King's sister. Okay, okay. Now I know. There we go. Took me a minute to cross it all together, but I, I did. Uh, John Forsyth is in this movie. He was a very big 80s actor. I don't think he's done much since then. Um, Bobcat Goldthwait is in this movie. Awesome. I don't care what anybody says. That man is a gift from God. 
I, 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 I know a lot of people, I know his, uh, <laughs> a lot of people kind of like, he's like hot and cold with some people. I love him. <laughs> I do too. I'm a fan of Bobcat. I mean, he, you know, you go to the movie Blow and he's in that and the guy's got, actually can't act, but he found this character, this crazy character that if you ever watch the police academy, he's in almost all of them and he stuck with it and it works for him. Yes, and uh, I know you're not a big Whoopi Goldberg fan, but I love their chemistry together. And I was, I think it was Burglar and uh, Hot to Trot. Hot I love that Trot. movie too. I've seen Hot to Trot, definitely. Yes. Um, and another guy I want to get into in this movie is a, they bill him as David Johansson, but he's Buster fucking Poindexter, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. The Buster Point? Wow. Yes. Break this guy's history now, Box, please. Buster Poindexter, the, the former lead singer of the New York Dolls. He was in a punk band before oh. he started doing the uh, a little bit of acting. And uh, if you've never heard the the 80s party anthem, Hot, Hot, Hot. That oh, that's is, him? That's Buster Poindexter singing that oh. song. Okay. Absolutely. That is Mr. Buster Poindexter singing that song. Now, he is in a few movies, actually. Um, I know he did one movie with, um, what's that movie? Emilio and, uh, fucking Jagger. Free Jack. Oh, yes. He was, oh, 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 yeah. That's another one. We got to get to that. That's actually underrated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was in Free Jack. Give me a second. I don't know why I didn't have him pulled up, but he has done, believe it or not, He's done a few fucking movies. Um, let me do this. Not soundtrack. Actor, actor, actor. He doesn't have that many credits. I mean, he's done 43 fucking things, dude. Jesus. All right. Uh, starts off in 1985. He was in Miami Vice, the Equalizer TV series. Let's see what he's done lately. Scrooge was actually his first probably real big movie. Uh, he was in a movie, Free Jack, Mr. Nanny, Naked in New York. Let's see. Small movies, a lot of small movies. He did a few Buster Poindexter things. But, uh, yeah, you didn't know that was him singing that? That, that, that 80s song? No. Here, just so everybody, uh, no. uh, hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to pull it up just so everybody knows the exact song I'm talking about. Probably knows what it is. Hot, hot, hot Buster Poindexter. There we go. As soon as I turn this on, I'm sure everybody's gonna know exactly what the fuck they're like, oh yeah, that song, that's great, that's good shit. Probably an ad before it. Of course there is. Let's turn it down. Three, two, one. Here we go. Some of you older kids may remember this. Uh, about 15 years ago, as a matter of fact, I was in a band called the New York Dolls. Now look at some of these outfits. I mean, we used to wear some really outrageous clothes. You know, these heavy metal bands in L.A. don't have the market cornered on wearing their mother's clothes. So now like, I'm into this really refined and dignified kind of a situation. I'm playing music. That's so soft and sweet. I mean, you could sit by the fireplace and listen to it. You could have a little glass of wine, maybe, or you could even have dinner with this music. Come on, I'll show you.
you go. I can't believe you didn't know that was him, Anthony. No, see, but we learn things on these shows. You teach me, I teach you when I can. I'm just old. I'm just <laughs> no, but you know, seriously, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, I'm old and I know that shit. But yeah, that was uh, that was the Buster fucking Poindexter, and you know these. That was kind of always a joke. I mean, you know, everybody, oh, look who thinks he's fucking Poindexter. Um, shit, what was his name? Young MC even had him in a, a standing on the wall like he was Poindexter. Uh, let me see. I'm looking at the cast here. Did you mention uh, Wendy Malachek? We have not. I have. I actually stopped it by David Johansson. I did not mention them yet. No. Go ahead. Now, as far as her, like, because obviously, you know, she's famous. She's mostly famous from, like, Just Shoot Me, that television show with David Spade and uh, that guy's name. He's in Veronica Mars. He was on that show you watch, Flashpoint. You can never say his name. Flashpoint? Um, um, call, uh, Enrico. 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 I think it's something like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Call you know what I'm talking about. Receding hairline. <laughs> yeah. 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 Enrico Colantoni. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, and she was in a Dream On. Remember Dream On? Oh, wow. I actually used to watch that when I was a kid. That was a, it was an HBO special. Yeah, I never watched it. Flash by it, never watched it. <laughs> Flashpoint, I know you watched. You never watched Dream On? No, no. Flashpoint, yo, yeah. I watched the shit out of Flashpoint. Uh, where were you on in the 90s with uh, Wendy? Hot, not hot, in the middle? Uh, probably in the middle. Probably a little in the middle. Let me see here. I'm trying to remember exactly where. Geez, how far down did you go for that one? Hmm. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> there we go. Oh, wow. That was far back. Yeah. I remember now. Yeah. Middle. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. You're right above. Uh, yeah. Joel Murray. There you go. Um. Yeah, man. Let's see who else we got. Carol Kane. Not a very popular. She was another one of the ghosts in this movie. Not a very popular um, person, but she's actually done a lot, a lot of movies. She's actually in, uh, she has a quick part in one of my favorite little thriller movies, um, The First Power. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. Now, is that one of those straight to video type movies? No, it was an old 80s thriller with Lou Diamond Phillips in it. Mm. Good. We will have to do that one day. We will have to do that. Uh, she was also Miss Sherwood in Jawbreaker. I don't know if you that. Uh, I liked that movie. Uh, I'd, I'd have to rewatch it to refresh my memory. I know what you're talking about, but I would have to rewatch it to refresh yeah, my memory on it. She's got a very high pitched, squeaky voice. Um, yeah. She's, she's done a ton of. I mean, this this woman. I say she hasn't done a ton of things. She's in 154 credits. So she's definitely got a nice career that she's built. But, you know, she was the ghost of Christmas present. Uh, David Johansson, Buster Poindexter, was the ghost of Christmas past in this movie. Um, we brought up John Murray, his real brother. A couple of people had quick guest guest um, appearances in this movie that were very famous in the 1980s, such as yeah. Jamie Farr, who was from M.A.S.H., Robert Goulet, a famous singer. Buddy Hackett, famous in those days. John Houseman. John Houseman. Um, who will, will, will get to his part in the movie. He only lived, he lived, uh, he, I don't even think he got to see this movie. I believe he passed away before this movie happened, like a month or two before. Um, there was also Lee Majors was in this movie. The Six Million Dollar Man. 
Yeah. Um, America's Sweetheart as well. Yeah. Yeah. And Mary Lou Retton was in this movie. Mary yeah, Lou Retton. So, yeah. Yeah. This was, yeah. this was, this movie was pretty stacked in terms of the star power. Yeah. I mean, they all had quick, small parts. I mean, Mary Lou Retton was in the movie for like a minute and a half. Um, if that, but, uh, I had a ex-girlfriend that looked like her. Ah. Uh, Much bigger. Bob, I gotta ask. Huh? Does this tie into Florida somehow? Well, please I, tell me it does. She was in Florida. Yes. 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 Yes, she was. Say, say, say the story for the Florida episode. Ah, there you go. That, that'll be a long. I'll have to start <laughs> drinking early for that episode. But um, <laughs> I can do that. Yes, I can do that. Oh, there you go. Carol Kane was uh, licensed to drive. I forgot about that. Miss my life. Thank you. Good one. Yeah, yeah. that's another one. I actually want to get to that. The quarries, the height of the quarries. I actually enjoy License to Drive. There you go. The quarries. Now, Carol Kane, being the ghost of Christmas past, she actually, at one point in this movie, she actually grabs Bill Murray's lip when she's doing it. She plays the crazy ghost in this movie. And she actually tore his lip so bad that they had to stop filming for a few days. Jesus. Yes. Yes. And after that, she did not like having to rough him up in their scenes together. But uh, I guess we can go ahead and get into this movie. Give me a second here, um, man. I could play, I, I could play every bit of this fucking movie, but I'll do my best not to. Honestly, it's it's going to be hard to choose, but I would just recommend just playing like the uh, Murray one-liners because there were there, there's so many of them. Because I mean, seriously, I don't know. Like, I would just want to see a movie of just him riffing for like an hour and a half, just just random Bill Murray. Yeah. Shit, you, it don't need a script or anything, and I, I think I guarantee it'd be solid gold. Yeah, I trust me. I'm, I'm not gonna play every bit of the movie. I, I pretty much know a few of the clips I want to play, and I'm gonna play a lot of the parts where the ghosts come out because there's a lot of meaning in those parts. And but I'll definitely play a lot of the parts with him just going off. That's that's definitely a lot of the parts I want to get to. Um, but you know, he does play these sort of Frank. This is Francis Xavier Cross, which is sort of the Ebenezer, Ebenezer Scrooge character in the movie. Doesn't like Christmas, doesn't like holidays. He's a very, very, you know, uh, important t- television executive. Um, but the movie starts off with Santa Claus, and there's an action movie. Where- <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck it. I'll just start. Screw it. You realize how late I told you you're This is one Santa who's going out the front door. Look, it don't matter a hill of beans what happens to me. The world couldn't afford it if anything happened to you. Now, you stay put. Oh, that's very nice of you, Lee. And Lee, you're being a real good boy this year. Yes, you sure have. 
7 o'clock. Psycho sees Santa's workshop. Eat this. And only Lee Majors can stop them. The night the reindeer die. So there you go. The night the reindeer died. We get a little Robert Goulet right here. This is where we get the uh, little, here we go. Put him in the background a little bit. When it's Bob Goulet's Talk a little bit with Bob Goulet in the background singing in the bayou. His Cajun Christmas with the gators chasing him. But uh, this is sort of where you get the exact, you know, what you're going to get with this movie. Uh, especially here. Listen to this one. Well, wait a minute. Where are they? Hold on. This is this is actually one of the funniest lines in the movie right here. Hold on, I got to go back to this one. Wait a minute. Where they're doing this Leave it to Beaver ripoff. His favorite family in a special Christmas episode. Hi mom. Where's dad? Should have been home by now. Well, Wally, I know your father is out chasing Beaver. Father <laughs> loves Beaver. Here on IBC. Okay. Oh, I love it. Um <laughs> All Poor right. Beaver. Everybody, everybody's so mean to the Beave. I know, man. No one likes the Beave, but um, you can tell. Francis is, you know, Bill Murray's character hates hates the promo, and then they're doing this movie Scrooged, which is the Ebenezer Scrooge character. Um, so you know, they're the actual a Christmas a Christmas Carol movie. I can't play this. Well, I guess I can. Here you go. I'll play this. Cold, bleak Christmas. 10 o'clock. IBC presents live via satellite from New York, Bethlehem, Helsinki, West Berlin, and the Great Barrier Reef. Charles Dickens' immortal Christmas classic, Scrooge. Starring Buddy Hackett, Jamie Farr, the Solid Gold Dancers, and Mary Lou Redden as Tiny Tim. Hosted by Sir John Houseman. Scrooge, it will touch your every heartstring. That's right, it all starts on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve on IBC. You'll love it. Oh my God, does that suck? Okay, so obviously he hates what they did. So he's one of these guys. One of these, if it's not my way, it's wrong. I have to do everything myself, guys. So he gets up there and plays one. And holy shit, it's ridiculous. Let's go ahead and hear this one for the comparison, and then we'll take a little, uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit. We have spent $40 million on a live TV show. You guys have got an ad with America's favorite old fart reading a book in front of a fireplace. Now, I have to kill all of you. <laughs> Mother, help me. All right, give me a second here. We'll get to where he plays his to scare the shit out of everybody. Literally scare the shit out of everybody. Um, here we go. I think it's coming up right now. Drug addiction. International terrorism. Freeway killers. Now, more than ever, it is important to remember the true meaning of Christmas. Don't miss Charles Dickens' immortal classic, Screw. Your life might just be 
life might just depend on it. So there you go. His plan is to scare the shit out of people into watching his t- his movie. Now, I don't know if this is true, but if if you listen, they talk about how they're going to be live in Helsinki and here and there. I think that might have been a little, not a shot, but kind of a shout out to Live Aid when they did something like that back in 1985. Yeah, I, I can see the I can see the connection there. I can see how you could draw come to that conclusion. Yeah, and that actually got got popular. You know, they would do that with TV shows, um, live specials. They would do that with when you know it's funny. Shaheen did a uh, a, a commission, I think, for somebody of an evil can evil, and I was telling him, me and my dad, I remember watching those stunts like on television. They weren't always live in Vegas. They would be here, and then they would shoot live over to Vegas, and they would come back. You know, and that yeah. was, you know, that was pretty big in the eighties. I remember watching those stunts with my dad, and you know, always ninety percent of the time, Evil Knievel fell. I mean, the guy broke every bone in his body. Literally, the guy had broke every bone in his body. But I don't know. I, I just remember watching those things, and I loved, I loved watching those Evil Knievel stunts. His son, his son Robbie, I think Robbie's kind of a piece of shit, but that's neither here nor there. But back to the movie. (laughs) Back to the movie. Um, Yeah, let me see, where were we here in the movie? Yeah, yeah, so he's doing that. Now, the only person in this movie to have the balls to even stand up to him is our good friend, Mr. Bobcat Goldthwaite. And... um, I do want to play that part because that is an important part and it does come throughout the movie and it does wrap back up and tie itself into the end of the movie. Yes. So it's kind of like if I don't play this part, we're kind of, we're kind of, it's not going to tie into the end of the movie. So I'm going to play this part just because of that. Excuse me, sir. Yes. Mr. Cross, what exactly does that ad have to do with Scrooge? Nothing. Why? Well, you can't show that commercial. If you run that, you're gonna you're gonna frighten people. Think I'm way off base here? Yes, you're. Well, you're a tad off base, sir. Um, that thing looked like the, the Manson family Christmas special. Well, it's a little late to get this kind of feedback. That's because um, this is the first time I've ever seen it, sir. You're right. I sprung it on you. Well, it's it's not that bad. It's just lose like um. You know the part with the gun and the blood All right. and the guy um, shooting right. up and then they, they... If I can change it, I'll let you know in five minutes. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. You know, in a lot of ways, I think we're a little bit late. Sir, Merry Christmas. Thanks for the talk. Thank you. We don't want to scare the dickens out of people. Merry Christmas, Miss Cooley. The dickens out of people. Nobody gets that. Grace, who is that guy? Elliot, Loudermilk. Okay. Call security. Have them change his locks, clean out his desk, and toss him out of the building. Oh, he's fired? It's Christmas. Thank you. Call accounting. Stop his bonus. Ooh, a clear shot at his back. Elliot, Loudermilk. Code 9. Grace, what in the hell is this? So there you go. Within four minutes and 37 seconds, I believe he says, Bobcat's character is out of the building, fired, gone. And like I said, that is an important 
part in this movie because he does come back at the end of the movie and we will definitely play that. But uh, yeah, Bobcat gets his ass booted out of here and um, you know he's he's the classic 1980s. I'm, I'm sorry, Bill Murray's character, uh, Frank Cross in this movie. He's the classic 1980s workaholic, though. Believe it or not, if you watch him a little bit, he's got a little Gordon Gecko to him. Wall Street, by the way, bring it up. Yes, um, yeah, of course. You know, also in the archives. Also in the archives. That's right. Um, got a little Gordon Gecko to him. You know, workaholic. You know, knows fast talking, wheeling, dealing. But it, it's that kind of thing, and that was kind of the, the classic 1980s yeah. Wall Street, New York businessman. Yes, New York businessman. Ex- yeah, right. That's that's what he was in this movie. Um, you know, and he's giving out gifts and this and that, and you know, he's going through giving everyone towels, towels, towels as he's going through. Um, and yeah. finally, now, now, Bob, let me ask you something real quick. You brought up the gecko uh, comparison. Um, how do you think Bill Murray pulled it off, though, in terms of like, because because uh, you know, Michael Douglas, he always he's always had like that. I don't know whether it's the hair, too much hair gel, mm-hmm. but he's always had that like distinguished look about himself. Mm-hmm. And like <clears throat> Bill Bill Murray's always kind of played, for lack of a better term, he's always been like a played like a slacker type of character. Did you buy Bill Murray as like this domineering, power hungry, workaholic executive type? Yes, with a sense of humor. That yeah, with with the dry sense of humor that no one gets. Yes, I do. So you think he you think he pulled it all pretty good? I do. Okay, I do. I mean, look, this this is my second favorite Christmas movie. It's a Christmas story, and this I I love this movie. I I kind of been waiting to do it. We could have done it last year. We were going to do it last year, but I don't know what happened. Die Hard. I think Die Hard happened, and that's a spoil. You know, we'll get into that at the end of the show. Spoiler, by the way, uh, Die Hard is a fucking Christmas movie. Uh, <laughs> Motherfucking right, it is. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I was hoping you would say that because I don't know why. I I kind of got like I get the same vibes about him being like Gordon Gecko light mm-hmm. in this movie, but I was kind of curious about what you thought about that because I actually thought he did a very good job in this movie. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't think I was going to say that going in just because, you know, I'm used to like stripes and meatballs and really not used to seeing him as like a businessman type. He's always been like the slacker and the goofball type character. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you kind of agree that he pulled it all pretty well. Yeah, I definitely think he pulled this off really well. Um, like I said, he's the typical New York businessman. And that's that that's not a problem. I, I definitely think he played it well. He played it with a little more Bill Murray in it yeah he definitely put his own twist on it yeah exactly yeah he definitely put it put, put his own spin on it which came out in the movie if you ask me so and by the way we we're talking about john houseman earlier he actually i was right he died one month before this movie came out Man. less than one month and he was a legendary actor back before the 1980s so yeah yeah he did but um now, his boss comes in and starts talking about pets, cats and dogs, watching television. 
Uh, this is his boss, Preston, which is Robert Mitchum, another very famous actor back in those days. Um, now, he tells him about that there's 27 million, I think it was, 27 million cats and 48 million dogs. Now, the funny thing is, as of 2015, Roku actually has channels specific for people who leave home and leave their dogs and or cats home. Oh, something for everybody, I guess. So it's just Jesus funny Christ. that um, <laughs> that that this is happening. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I find that hilarious. It is. It's no, it's kind of, kind of, kind of. It's hilarious, it's but it's kind of creepy. It's disgusting. But. Uh, here, I'll go ahead and play that because I can't do he says it because Robert Mitchum actually says it with passion. Like, whole, like he's literally about to revolutionize the television industry with this idea. Here we go. Why didn't you tell me, Grace? Preston, just looking at some of the zinc we're getting on Scrooge, Mary Lou Retton, this Tiny Tim. Can you believe the first director didn't want her? No. No, he does now. You go bye-bye. <laughs> hey, did you catch their bye on Tiny Tim? She doesn't just throw away the crutches and walk. She throws away the crutches, vaults over a lamppost, double somersault, back into one of these things. Frank, killer. Yes, Preston? Have you any idea how many cats there are in this country? No. I don't have those, no. 27 million. Do you know how many dogs? In America. 48 million. Wow. We spend $4 billion on pet food alone. Four. Now, I have here a study from Hampstead University which shows us that cats and dogs are beginning to watch television. Now, if these scientists are right, you should start programming right now. Well, in 20 years, they could become steady viewers. Programming for cats. Walk with me, Frank. So there you go. As of 2015, this has happened. Um, it's amazing when 80s movies making jokes actually happen in the real world, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost like they knew. They knew. They knew, exactly. Almost like they fucking knew. Now, real quick, I can't, I can't believe I'm going back to this. Uh, the Gordon Gecko deal, right? Mm-hmm. Looking back, you know, since you're talking about 80s and present day, do you think that Gecko was probably a playoff of uh, Donald Trump and we didn't know it? I don't think so. I mean, Trump was definitely around in the 80s. I don't know when he started being around, but you know what? It might have been the hair, the, it could have been. Just like the no not, you know, just the kind of like all about making that next dollar and just, I don't know, maybe not the exact, obviously the exact character type, but like they drew some inspiration. It definitely could have been. Like I said, I know he was around in the eighties and he was doing the business thing in the eighties. He was buying businesses and doing, I mean, he was on, I remember him being on all kinds of talk shows back then. So, yeah, might have been. I never really put those two together until you just said it, but that definitely might have had a, a an influence on that character. Hmm. Never thought about that. By the way, if you go back and watch those videos of him in the 1980s, he was saying the same bullshit he was saying today. The exact, <laughs> no, the same presidential stuff he was saying back then, he's saying it today. It's yeah. funny if you go back and watch those videos. The man hasn't changed a bit since back then. Hey, well, look, if, if you know, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. 
a black per a black person saying something positive about Trump. Oh boy. At least he at least he's been consistent mm. <laughs> in his views. I, I didn't I because I <laughs> I was a kid, I was a baby boy in the 80s, so I have not had no desire to go back and look at old Trump clips, but uh Boxman, my older co host, just yes. wanna point that out. <laughs> was alive and Much. of age to understand these type things. So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, no problem. Man. He's been no consistent. Problem. Yeah, he definitely is. He definitely is. Um, especially had better, better, uh, had a uh, better hair plugs back then, apparently. Well, he had real hair back then. It was the eighties. <laughs> um, they, they didn't have the technology with hair they had today, but, uh, especially his things on the trade deals and tariffs. Hey. Cause that, that's always been his business is buying business and import and export. So, yeah. you know, he's held the same. He's always wanted to go in and make better deals. And goddamn, when he's finally done and he gets back into his companies, that motherfucker is going to be an import-export genius. Uh, but anyway, uh, this is where we finally meet John Forsythe's character. Uh, Lou Hayward uh, is, is the character we meet. He is, once again, the typical New York annoying, obnoxious business loudmouth. And I definitely want to play this because it's the first time we get to see him and let's do that. We're doing a kind of a meet the character thing right now. Hey, Frank! Oh, hold that door, will you, Pops? Wait for me a minute, will you? You don't mind. Hey, it's Frank's Cummings. We met at Spago. Oh. Have you seen Preston? Uh, Preston just went back upstairs. I just dropped by to say hello. I went to school with the big guy's son. Huh? Isn't you give me a call when you hit the coast, okay? Let's go. You know, so anyway, so Cosell's there. I need a full report on a guy named Bryce Cummings. He's an L.A. slime ball. Uh, okay, um, you're doing Helmsley Palace at 7 o'clock, and I'm going to leave. I'm going to take my son. No, you're not. You're staying here with me. We're working late. Well, I have to take my son to the doctor. Grace, when I work late, you work late. But I made the appointment two months ago. I care. We're indivisible. If I'm working late, you got to work late. If you can't work late, I can't work late. If I can't work late, I can't work late. <laughs> well, that makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> um, it works. I mean, it, it was all over the place, but Bill Murray found a way to make it work. Yes, and by the way, that was Brian Cummings, played by John Glover. I completely just messed up two people. I'm sorry about that. But uh, that was John Glover playing that. Um, he was pretty big in the 80s, did a lot of smaller movies, not huge movies. This might have been one of his biggest roles as of that point. But, um, yeah, yeah, did a bunch of movies. And this is also the point where we get to meet Bill Murray's real life brother. I did not, again, I did not know this was his brother. And I've brought up that Moving Violations movie a few times on this show. I don't know if you remember me mentioning it, but. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the movie a ton of times and I never realized that's Bill Murray's brother. And you say that, but I'm like, do you think it was like a missed opportunity there? I mean, we've, we've, you know, you had the Waynes, we've had the ball, even the fucking Baldwins. Even Steve, when Stephen Baldwin had a run. What? Do you think there's a, a, a particular reason why we didn't see more of the Murrays either like doing more projects together or more like high profile movies outside of Bill? Cause I, clearly Bill is the guy in the family. 
Bill obviously is. He's obviously the guy in the family. But uh, believe it or not, you, Brian Doyle Murray, his other brother, you've seen him in a lot of movies, believe it or not. He was Lou and Caddyshack. Okay. The boss of, of oh. the boss, yeah. Lou. Yeah. Lou, the boss of the caddy. Yeah, I do remember him in that, yeah. Noah Vanderhoff. We spoke about him in Wayne's World, and we never picked up. It was Bill Murray's brother. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yes. you're right. We did. He was Frank in Christmas Vacation. That was him? The boss that they that, oh, that, that Eddie took hostage. Yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> Why? Oh, nice. I mean, you've seen this guy in so many fucking movies, and I never put two and two together. Matter of fact, in this movie... In Scrooged, he plays um, the father. He plays when when we meet little little Frank Cross when Buster uh, when Buster Poindexter, the Ghost of Christmas Past, brings him back. That's his brother playing his father. So some strange tie-ins in this movie, but I just can't believe I never realized that was his brother. Like I said, we we talked about the guy in Wayne's World. Never realizing it was Bill Murray's fucking brother. Yes, Wayne's World Two, I believe, actually is when we talked about him. Never even thought about it, and you know, like I said, I I never realized that this was his real brother. And if you look at these two, when you really look, you're like, well, son of a bitch. You see this profile, and you're like, oh, he fucking looks just like him. Yeah, even the cadence. If you really pay attention to how uh, Brian sounds, he does have that Murray cadence. Exactly. Yeah, it does. And you know what? We're at the scene with his brother. Might as well play a little bit of him with his brother because he's even a dick to his brother. He's just... Frank is not a nice guy. Let's go ahead and play a little bit of that, too. Francis? A little bit rough on her out there, aren't you? You know what they say about treating people badly on the way up? Yep. You get to treat them badly on the way down, too. It's great. You get two chances to rough them up. Real quick, before we get any further, they walk past a bunch of um, musicians on the street. Just so you know, that is Miles Davis, David Sanborn, and Larry Carton, and the kind of leader of that is Paul Schaefer. You know who Paul yeah. Schaefer? Paul Schaefer? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, From uh, David Letterman show. Yeah. Yeah. Ball, sunglasses, yeah. <laughs> uh, wasn't bald then, but bald now. And um he was all he also had a big part in the Blues Brothers two thousand movie. Yeah, I try to forget that one. I I try to I mean I enjoyed most of it, but I try to forget that one because I don't think it should have been made. <laughs> I'm with you. But uh let's go ahead and play a little more here. <laughs> Why don't the cops do something about this? Excuse me, please. Great. Rip off the hicks, why don't you? Did you learn the song yesterday? Sweet. Frank, you don't like Christmas much, do you? Like it? I love it. It's cold, and people stay home and watch television. Ad revenues go up 30%. All these idiots are going to be home watching the boob tube for me tonight. I am the biggest fan that Christmas ever had. So, uh, any chance of you maybe making Christmas dinner this year? None. Come on, why not? Don't you... start, James. Come on, the whole family will be there. It'll be fun. Look, you can have your concerned and wonderful dinner with all your cool friends and the 
the real popcorn on the tree and cranberries and everything. Yeah. Send Christmas cards to each other on recycled paper. It's a crock, James. It's for kids. You know, I like seeing you. I like being with you. I want you to have a happy new year. Taxi! Merry Christmas. Taxi! All right. He even steals a cab from an old lady here. Um, even gives her the finger through the window. <laughs> Which, that's not very nice. And on the way to receive a humanitarian award. I have a hard time saying certain words. Uh, yes, you had your autonomy moment. Mark yeah. it down, folks. <laughs> humanitarian. It's hard for me to say that word because I'm really not a, much of a humanitarian. So he wins the award. He goes up. He gives a speech. Although this award will mean everything to me. He takes off and he leaves it in the cab. Um, we get another shot of Bob Goldthwaite here. Bob Goldthwaite throughout this movie is doing everything he can to try to get drunk. And every time he does, something happens to the bottle. It breaks at one point. It, 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 this time it breaks. Let's just put it that way. We'll, we'll go through as we go through the movie. Um, Frank gets up, leaves the cab, and he even leaves the award in it. Meant nothing to him. But uh, this is where he goes up to his office, and this is where we actually get told kind of the first story in the movie. His office starts shaking, and things start happening, and uh, fuck it. Let's do it. Yes, sir. This whole wing is closed! Grace! I'll make myself a little drink. I don't mind you hitting me, Frank, but take it easy on the Bacardi. And by the way, he's drinking Bacardi and the ever popular 80s diet drink tab. What now? What is that? Tab. Tab was the first sugar-free soda. Uh so basically like Coke Zero or Pepsi, uh, Pepsi Zero. It was horrible. It was. Yeah. It was that fake. It, it tasted like that fake sugar. I do not like fake sugar. I hate the fake sugar taste. And this tasted like it. Like like that's all it tasted like. My parents drank shit out of it back in the eighties. <laughs> I I don't know if you can still find it or not. It may be. I'll, I have, it'll probably make a comeback now. Who knows? But, uh, yeah. Yeah, really, they're drinking Tab, and it was a huge thing in the 80s. It was like the first diet drink that people really thought they were losing weight on it. And <laughs> Come on. Let's, let's be fucking real. But, uh, here, let's, go, let's keep going through this. And uh, this, by the way, is John Forsythe who we brought up earlier that I messed up with John uh, Glover. So here we go. Oh. 
to old times, my friend. Oh, my God. It's... Lou Hayward, your old boss, your best friend. But you're dead. Seven years. It's been that long? Gee, I, I, to look at you, I wouldn't have guessed more than three tops. Oh, Frank. Frank, you are in trouble. Big trouble. All right. Let's just say, for argument's sake, that you're right, that I am in big trouble. What exactly would that mean? Look at me. Look at your future. Now, if you don't change your ways, you're going to wind up doomed, just as I am. One minute. I'm on the 14th hole at Wingfoot, lining up a putt. A heart attack later, I'm a worm feast. No, 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 no. You're not a worm feast. You're a hallucination brought on by alcohol, Russian vodka poisoned by Chernobyl. Real quick, they were blaming Russia even back then. Wow. See? <laughs> See? So wait a minute. They didn't blame Canada? I thought that... No, no I'm sorry. That's more no, of a Russian no, thing. No, 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 no. That, that was South Park. They're, they, Even in 1988, they were blaming Russia for shit, dude. <laughs> now in 2018, they're again blaming Russia for shit. <laughs> Uh, Good God, it's never-ending, ladies and gentlemen. Let's keep going with this. Come on, Lou, keep telling them what to do. I've been under a lot of pressure lately. I've been putting on a big silence! Ouch. I had it all. Ooh. I was a captain of industry. Feared by men, adored by women. Ah, adored! Let's be honest, Lou. You paid for the women. I'm warning you, Frank. Don't waste your life as I did mine. Waste? How can you say that? You're a legend in this business. You're the man who invented the miniseries. Mankind should have been my business. Charity, mercy, kindness. That should have been my business. Don't wait. Get yourself involved. Now, it's too late for me, but it's not for you. You can be saved. You are going to be visited by three ghosts. Ooh, three ghosts. Three ghosts, Frank. Expect the first one. Tomorrow at noon. Not tomorrow's bad for me, Lou. As a matter of fact, the whole rest of the week is wash up. Ouch. Well, maybe we could have drinks, say Thursday. You meet the ghost, Trader Vicks around this four. Is no like joke, Frank! This is your last chance! Alright. I could squeeze you in for a breakfast. Ah! <laughs> oh no, please, don't think I'm a suicide. <laughs> I don't know. This part I don't need to play. He's hanging out the window is what this ghost has done to him. And uh, Frank's ripping his arm off. And finally he does. He falls. And he falls onto his desk. He's back in his office again. And the phone starts dialing. And it dials Claire. Now, once again, we mentioned Claire. Um, Karen Fisher, who's in uh, Animal House. I got to admit, she's not the prettiest girl in the world. But just her voice and her name, just she's very, makes her very attractive. Her voice and her looks, like the way she kind of gives these cute little puppy dog looks. Yeah. Makes her incredibly attractive. And I, I, I didn't pick it up 
until this movie, but geez. And I'll tell you what, she still looks good. She actually did a few episodes of Blue Bloods within the past few years, and she's still a very good looking, good looking woman. Okay. Um, but yeah, he calls her and he leaves a message. So we get the love interest started right now in the movie. And according to Bill Murray, they sort of beefed up the love interest in this movie to not make it so he thought the original script dragged a little bit. Um, so he really decided to, before he even took on the movie, he wanted to have the script rewritten for him. And they did actually redo it. And that, again, that's another reason him and um, Richard Donner didn't get along very well in this movie at all. Because, you know, Bill Murray not only doing that, but, you know, according also according to Bill Murray, this movie had a lot of footage that ended up on the cutting room floor. Um, his exact words were, we shot a big, long, sloppy movie, so there's a great deal of material that didn't even end up in the film. Um, he, he said that in, a movie, in an interview with uh, Starlog, which I, I think is an uh, online magazine. He said it just didn't work. You tend to forget what's wrong, what was wrong. It's hard. I just figured anyone who's good could step into the part and have a lot of fun with it. Um, and he obviously did. He had a blast with this character. You could see in the movie that he really did like playing this character. He was having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Um, but it does say Bill Murray ad-libbed most of his lines in an interview with Philadelphia Daily News. The director, Richard Donner, discussed Bill Murray's um, Bill Murray's uh, improv, Im improv skills and described the experience of directing Murray as saying it's like standing on 42nd and Broadway, Broadway, and the lights are out, and you're the traffic cop. In other <laughs> words, it's not that easy to direct the man. Um, which, again, I don't know why that would bother anyone, because... I mean, Bill Murray, at this point, at this time, this was, what, four years after, four years after the original Ghostbusters? Uh, yeah. Yeah, about, yeah. Three, four years, yeah. And he was actually not wanting to get back into acting. Which is insane to me. No, he was living in Paris and didn't want to get back into acting. But he really thought that this part was a really fun part, like you just said there. And he wanted to play it. But, uh, yeah, this was his first, yep, yep, first starring role after Ghostbusters, 1984. Um, and yeah, he honestly thought of just giving up actors, acting altogether, which is good he didn't. We wouldn't have gotten, you know, Ghostbusters 2, and we wouldn't have gotten this and Groundhog Day. Uh, a lot of other, huh? Yeah, Groundhog Day and tons of other fucking amazing movies by, by Bill Murray. So, you know, thank yeah. God he didn't. Um, but anyway, let's go ahead and uh, I said again, he's back at his office now, realizing that wasn't such a dream. And, you know, and <clears throat> we go on to the next scene. The next scene is them showing the apartment of his assistant, Gail. Gail? No, I got the wrong name, I think. What's his assistant's name in this movie? Uh, I'll keep looking at Grace. myself. For that. Grace, 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 excuse Grace? me, Grace. He's well, we got you got the letter right, so I that did. counts for some. I did, I did, but uh, he then, you know, it shows them, and 
obviously how how they're struggling. I mean, they can't even afford a tree and things like that. You know, they're they're decorating her son who hasn't spoken since I believe since his father was killed or something. We'll hear that story when we hear the ghost of Christmas uh, present. Um, I am going to play most of the ghost things. That's just something that has to get played. So, um, and this right here shows again kind of the guy he is. Let's go ahead and play this part here. Here we go. He's dead, Frank. Apparently, oh, this. Let me back up just a bit. She just, she just killed. A little more. There we go. Have you seen this morning's paper, Frank? Oh, who's that? She's pretty. She's <laughs> dead, Frank. Apparently, this 80-year-old grandmother was watching your Scrooge promo last night, and she just she just keeled over. It scared her to death. This is terrific! I knew that, Edward! You can't buy publicity like this! Ah! Excuse me. Mr. Cross, you need it on the set. I want that promo run every half hour. I want a disclaimer at the top. Anyone with a heart condition must leave the room. Will do, Frank. All right, where were we? Well, I was being haunted. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Now he's down on set. And he's having, obviously, you know, we were getting problems and things like that. Now, I do want to say, when they bring in the solid gold dancers, those really are the solid gold dancers. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. I did not know, sir. Those are the actual solid gold dancers. Their show was well over by the time this happened. And he's having a problem with the sensors. Uh, Frank crosses. And the sensor is down there telling him he can't do something. Let's go ahead and play that part because it comes up with my favorite line. You can hardly see those nipples. Hi, Mr. Cross. I am the censor, and I will not allow this costume on the air. Why not? Well, specifically, you can see her nipples. I want to see her nipples. But this is a Christmas show. Well, Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples then. Uh, you, can, uh, you can hardly see them nipples. See, and these guys are really looking. You can go shake a tail feather. Thank See, by the way, I do want to point out that line by Mr. Jack McGee, 100% ad-libbed, sir. Oh, you serious? That wasn't a pre-planned line? That, that makes it even more awesome. It wasn't pre-planned, wasn't even supposed to stay in the movie. Uh, Bill Murray fought for it to stay in the movie. Bill ah, Murray, nice. He nice, I like for, that. Yeah, Bill Murray fought for that line to stay in the movie. That is why it is in this movie, Scrooge. Now... Um, I agree with Bill Murray. I think Charles Dickens would have loved to have seen those nipples. Uh, the girl is amazingly hot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. she is I mean, gorgeous. Absolutely yeah. fucking gorgeous. Um, and like you know, I said, we're learning right now. I just realized. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, no, but real quick, I just wanted to point it out. We're noticing. We're no, we're learning that Bill Murray has good instincts as an actor. Oh yes. Oh. And you have to trust those instincts. I mean, I understand like. I can understand how he can have conflict with a lot of different directors because we've heard this time and time again about him over the years. He has his style, his way of doing things, but when you're a director and when it's your ship, you kind of want people to kind of like, you know, basically, you know, stay in line, follow, you know, follow the course. Right. But sometimes if you got people that can kind of like go off the cuff and they have those instincts and their instincts have more times than not proven to be successful, you need to give those kind of people a, a little bit of leeway. 
Bill just strikes me as one of those like creative types that you know he has he's set in his ways. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, we did mention that he called Claire, and uh, he was freaking out a little bit. But let's go ahead and get to the once again meeting characters. Let's hear the first time he sees Claire again in fifteen years. Here we go. Get the nurse. Get the nurse. Make sure her nipples are covered up, will you? <laughs> Lumpy. Lumpy. Hi. I'm sorry to just... But I didn't get your message until this morning, and I, I tried to call, but they said that you weren't you weren't in yet, and then I tried to call back, and they said that you were busy, so I just... God, you look different. Well, it's been a while. It's your hair. I've never seen it so short. It makes you look sort of grown up. Yo, Frank! Frank! I mean, Mr. Cars, uh, check this out, man. Girls are tough. It's on the money. Check it. Come on. All right. We get to see a little bit of the solid gold dancing. And, uh, you know, for the movie, he throws the censor's head over there, makes her look at it, and he goes, see, can't see a nipple. So <laughs> he's just a real shrewd businessman in this movie. But, um, yeah, always good. And Claire, obviously his love interest. And obviously, you know, they they play it up and you can even you can sort of tell in the first in the first scene where they meet here he definitely still has a thing for her and she kind of still has a thing for him um but you know he's so busy they don't really get to do get to uh talk um but if you remember he has lunch with Preston and the ghost is also also supposed to be there at noon um also, the annoying guy, if you remember Brian, uh, Brent Cummings, has been hired to help him. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of this. I'm in the middle of where he's talking to Preston, and Preston tells him that he's hiring someone. And here we go. Zulu Nation. We think it's the largest baptism of all time. That's just the point, Frank. I'm afraid you might be spreading yourself a little thin. So I've taken the liberty of hiring somebody to work with you. Oh, great. I knew you'd be pleased. I couldn't be more pleased. Who is it? Pellegrino Rocks Twist. Well, we meet again, huh? How are you? Oh, look at this. Blue is bad color for New York. Frank, I realize this is coming at you pretty damn fast, but I want you to understand that my only function here is to take some of the burden off your shoulders. A lot of men in your position would see me as a threat. It's only natural. That's me. You are going to be visited by three ghosts. Expect the first one. All right, so the three ghosts he knows are coming. The clock hits noon. He starts seeing shit. Um, the waiter brings him his highball, which, you know, has ice in it, and he sees an eyeball in it. Highball, eyeball. Get the joke? Yeah. Get the joke yes, there. I do. <laughs> you get it? You get it? Highball, yes. eyeball. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, I get it. I all get right. It. All right. Making sure you get it. Highball, eyeball. Now, Frank even thinks that this guy is the ghost. Obviously, he's not. But he's starting to hallucinate a little bit and see shit. And finally, when he does leave, he sees a waiter that he thinks is on fire. 
when he leaves the restaurant. He he throws he throws water on him, and uh, he says, "Yeah, fuck it. Let's just do it. Here we go." I'm sorry. You know, I thought you were Richard Pryor. Obviously, that was a reference to the Richard Pryor time in his life where he caught on fire while, I believe, smoking <laughs> cocaine. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was actually a crack pipe, crack but pipe. Uh, yes, same thing. Yeah, same Pretty thing. much. Same thing. Same thing. But uh, also in this part, when Bill Murray is walking out, he falls down. I don't know if you remember that part in the movie, Anthony. Uh, Yeah, I do unscripted genuine accident it was actually due to after splashing the waiter he actually put water on the floor unscripted fell down they left it in the movie hey it worked yep it did it absolutely did fucking work um but anyway keep going a little bit because now he actually does go down and he meets the Ghost of Christmas Past, who we already discussed, is Mr. David Johansson, a.k.a. Busta Poindexter. Um, and if you remember, there's also a character named Poindexter in the movie Revenge of the Nerds. Yes. Tim Busfield is Poindexter in those movies, too, which obviously is another reference to Buster Poindexter. But... Uh, <laughs> um. Here we go. Now, I said we were going to get a mention of one other comic in this movie. That is Sam Kinison. Sam Kinison was originally going to play the Ghost of Christmas Past, but because Bill Murray is friends with David Johansson, Buster Poindexter, he got the part over Sam Kinison. Little politics at play, it looks like. A little bit. Now, I would have loved, I am a huge Kinison fan. I would have loved to have seen what Kinnison would have done with this part because I think he could have played it just as well as Buster Poindexter did. If not a little better, maybe. Honestly, for me, it would have just been interesting to see how Bill Murray and uh, Sam Kinnison would have interacted yeah, it would have on been camera a- together. That, that, that alone would have made this. I mean, it's already a cult classic, but All that right. would have put it over the top for me. Just seeing those two on camera, seeing them play off each other would would have been a, a sight to behold. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it really would have been. I would have definitely liked to have seen what I, I, I wish there was like a, you know, like in Shrek, we have that, you know, scene with Chris Farley doing a reading. I wish there was a scene of Sam Kinison doing a reading for this role. Yeah, I really wish there would have been something like that. Just just something else we could have of that man, you know, Sam Kinison. But uh, this is where we meet the ghost of Christmas past. He is a crazy cab driver. And uh, I said I would play most of this stuff. And I do want to play a little bit of this. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pause as we go through like we usually do. And let's roll it, mate. I cut through the park and take me over there. Whoa! Hey! Frank, 
Enjoy the ride. How do you know my name? I know absolutely everything, Frank. You see, I'm the ghost. <laughs> Smoke, do you? Smoke, smoke, just try uh, By the way, once again, we got Bobcat Goldthwait once again trying to take a drink. And the ghost of Christmas past steals it away from him as he's driving. Once again, he's not able to take a drink, not able to get drunk. Here we go. does take him home he takes him home but it's back in 1955 now the street he takes him to is 41st drive in woodside queens new york um they did no work on this house this house is actually still looks the same as it did in 1955 and as of 2016 this house is actually still standing as of today Wow, so, nice. Yeah, so for all you New Yorkers, that would be 5828 41st Drive in Woodside, Queens. So if you want to go see that house, it's still standing as of today. How's that? Very cool. There you go. Um, let's see. So there we go in that scene. Let's go ahead and keep playing. Like I said, one of the ghost scenes. I do want to play a lot of these ghost scenes because it's basically the meaning of the movie. So here we go. Oh, my God. This is where I grew up. I thought they tore this place down. They did. Guess my dad hasn't put up our Christmas lights yet. Oh, for Christ's sakes, Frank, it's Christmas Eve. I get it. You're taking me back in time to show me my mother and father, and I'm supposed to get all goosey and blubbery. Well, forget it, pal. You get the wrong guy. That's exactly what a Dylan Ahn said. But when he saw his mother, Niagara Falls. <laughs> Let's get this over with. <laughs> okay, just so you know, the ghost walks right through the door because he's a ghost. And Frank hits his head. And Buster Poindexter loves this. The Ghost of Christmas Past loves this bit. He even says it. Here we go. That was a great show. I love that bit. See? <laughs> Look, hey. Quiet. Some of you cops. 
They can't hear us. They can't see us. This is not live. It's like a rerun. Check it out. Just the latest scene out a little bit. What we get here is a young Frank Cross and his mother. And his mother is actually pregnant with his brother. And so that's why you know, his brother's not in any of this. But this is what we get here. And um, just to kind of play the scene out for you. And here we go a little more. Okay, this is Earl Cross. This is, by the way, remember what I said. This is actually his, Bill Murray's real-life brother playing his father in this movie right now. Here we go. Here, Francis. I've got something for you. Merry Christmas. A choo-choo train? No, it's five pounds of veal. But Daddy, I have Santa for Choo Choo. Well, then go out and get a job and buy a Choo Choo. Ah, Earl, he's only four years old. All day long, I listen to people give excuses why they can't work. My back hurts, my legs ache. I'm only four. Soon he learns that life isn't given you on a silver platter, the better. I'm going out. Baby, don't watch too much TV. It's bad for your eyes. Hey, Mommy. Merry Christmas, Jackie. Merry Christmas to you, Mama. And here come Niagara Falls. The tears are coming. <laughs> Niagara Falls, Frankie Angel. I was touched by a gift. A four-year-old kid receives what in today's marketplace is a 40 or $50 piece of milk-fed veal. Frank, you still spent the next 15 years of your life sitting on your ass watching television. Check the records, Joe. I did some stuff. I was a baseball player. One year, I hit the home run that won the big game. That was the kid on the courtship of Eddie's father. There was another time, though that I was running down a hillside that was covered with flowers and there was a beautiful girl, like 15, with pigtails and she was waiting you for me and her so parents pathetic. didn't know she snuck You're out of the so house. pathetic! That was the little house on the prairie! Was it the homecoming episode? Little yes, house? it was the homecoming. So, obviously, we're seeing one of the reasons he got in the television business is because he sat home and watched television all the fucking time. Um, even to the point where he kind of can't tell reality from television so you know that's not that's one point that he's trying to make here here we go episode of little house let's face it frank garden slugs got more out of life than you did <laughs> name one take me to my office gladly <laughs> where are we? your office so we go from 1955, we flash forward, we're in 1968 at the office, Christmas party, and here we go. Isn't that where you wanted to go? What's going on? 
It's not Christmas party. They've had Christmas parties here since the dawn of the golden age of television. So you took over, you big stiff. These are the old school Christmas parties when they used to just close early and drink in the office, smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol. Everyone's hugging someone. Office romances. Dude, these were the classic Christmas parties that people used to fucking have. Yes. Absolutely the classic Christmas parties. So let's go ahead and play a little bit. It sounds like Anthony walked away for a second. So here we go. Oh. He's back. Hey, 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 Fred. Fred. It's Frank. Frank, they were back. You didn't happen to notice a big Christmas party going on around here. Yes, I did see one, sir. I'm, I'm going to be right on. I'm just going to finish this. Okay. Merry Christmas. Why, thank you, Tina. Now, Tina is handing out, again, back to the 80s, Tita's handing out photocopies because she just sat on the copy machine. <laughs> and uh, she's handing out copies of her ass and uh, vagina. So... Come on, Bob. Don't act like you never, you never did uh, that type of shit back in the day. No. <laughs> no, never. Honestly, never did. Mm. I was a kid during during these years, man. I was still pretty young. Oh. Well, let's see. You no, know, let's see. 1988, 75. I was... You know, 12, 13? I was 13 when this movie came out. But uh, I, I don't think I ever uh, threw my genitals on the, um, on the old uh, copy thing. I don't think I ever did that. No. No. Never. Never. But uh, Tina, by the way... But back to Tina passing out... Um, Photos of her, of photocopies of her ass, because hey, it was uh, 1980. It was, it was it, actually this was 1968. They're they're going for here way before they even thought about scanners and Jesus. They barely had cameras back then. All right, here we go. Hi. Merry Christmas, Tina. You're not leaving, are you? You want to go get some Chinese food? Oh, wow, no. You're not supposed to eat that stuff. They found out that they're cutting up the alley cans for using the chop suey. It's a real bummer. Don't eat that stuff. You idiot! You moron! Get back there! I don't believe this. Way I am! Did you see that, Tina? Frankly, I'm not that dead. Now, come on. I must have been out of my mind! She was crazy about me! Not that one, Frankie. Not that one. No. This one. You right Alright, so here we go. Now we go to the point where obviously this ghost is the past. He's trying to show him his mistakes he made and even some of the things he missed out on. So we're getting the one thing he really missed out on, and this is where he meets Claire. In the eyes. Oh god, are you alright? Oh, you, know, you, you probably shouldn't move someone who's had a bad blow to that. Where did I get you? You got me right here. And the sidewalk got me back here. Oh, it's going to be quite a lump. I'm sorry, here. 
lump, which is why we heard before she called him Lumpy. We will hear. Yeah. We will hear that name throughout the movie, and I didn't point it out until now because it didn't really make sense, and I would have actually spoiled this whole part for you. So you're welcome. And here you go. Is this this yours? Yes, it is. Thank you. You had some things, didn't you? Yes. Here. Oh, oh! (laughs) Tell you what, I'll go down for it. Okay, good idea. Wait. Yes, I'll I'll wait. Thanks, Lumpy. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Say, uh, would you like to go to a Christmas party that's going on right now? Not really. Neither would I. Young lady, do you shop here all the time? Because if you don't, I can walk on the other side of the street. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Would you like to go get some Chinese food? <laughs> Right, what's going on? You are gonna love this. Where? Yeah. Where? Okay, one year ahead to 1969, we go. Yeah, what is it? I'm in the tub. Can't we open the presents now? What are you doing? Oh, come on, don't be a creep. She's smoking a joint in the bathtub, man. Badass. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, man. Like I said, she's not the most, like, she's not, I have to say this for the 80s, especially the, the, the mid to late 80s. The love interests in a lot of those 80s movies were not the hottest of girls, but there was always something about them. In, in box, I mean, would you say, like, you know, you said you brought that up, would you say, like, the general theme of what was considered hot in the 80s was almost like that drugged out groupie look? Yeah, and that had a little bit to do with it, definitely. But you know that, like I said, I mean, you know, I, I guess the one girl I could bring up would be like Molly Ringwald. Yeah, she was the love interest in a bunch of movies and wasn't really that hot. Well, you know what they say: like the ones that you don't consider like classically attractive are the ones that go that extra mile for you. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, Karen Fisher, another one of those who, again, she's not the most attractive girl. But again, she has these, she gives these adorable little looks. And she has these, and she has gorgeous, you know, greenish blue eyes, which definitely, you know, help. It kind of brings out her whole face. So I don't know, man. Not the hottest, definitely not the worst looking girl. Um, I could understand why she would be a love interest in, in, in a movie not being, you know, as not being the uh, the usual blonde-haired, blue-eyed, unbelievably gorgeous model we see in the movies as the love interest now almost every day. Yeah. You know who I would compare it to? Huh? Somebody else who probably wouldn't, you wouldn't consider classically attractive from the 80s? Who? Ali Sheedy. Like, remember how, like, like I look at it like this. Like, remember, like, in The Breakfast Club, where she was, like, the uh, like the Raven-type character? She very, like, standoffish, didn't talk. But then once they cleaned her up, you're like, wow, she's actually pretty attractive. Like she, not like super hot, but once she cleaned herself up, it was like, yeah, I adore her. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know, you go to St. Elmo's Fire, and she was in uh, From the Hip with Fred <coughs> Nelson. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, she was in a few others. And, uh, you know, you go to St. Elmo's Fire, and Ali Sheedy was his love interest of the whole time, Judd Nelson. So, yeah. you know, definitely one of those little things. But uh, here we go. We're in 1969, where these two are, are living together, and uh, they're exchanging presents. You had it all, let me yeah. tell you. Look at something else. Hey, look, there's a gorilla climbing up on that big building. Hey, hey. Well, when can we open these? You can open one on Christmas Eve. That's what we always did in my family. You have to wait until Christmas morning to open this. Isn't that what you did? Well, uh, if it were going to spoil, we opened it the night before. Well, you want to open this one? By the way, I do want to mention Bill Murray in this scene. Awesome Jerry Curl mullet. <laughs> awesome Jerry Curl mullet. Um, or, or would that be a perm mullet? Is that a perm mullet? The perm mullet. More of a perm mullet. Yeah. Oh, perm. Gorgeous. Beautiful perm mullet. Love it. All for the mullets. I hope it makes a comeback. Here we go. <laughs> Knives. I got her these great knives. They're, they're super sharp. I, I know. They don't make them knives. knives. I don't cut really cans. Sharp. You can cut a tin can as easily as tomato. Okay. These were the famous Ginsu knives. These, I remember them. Yeah. Yep. This was probably one of the, probably one of the birth of infomercials was the Ginsu knives because these guys would be on at two three in the morning on network television stations trying to sell you knives. And it was this brand, Ginsu. They, it, it, you remember these, Anthony? Yeah, absolutely. I might actually, I can't, I vaguely remember actually having a set when I was a kid. Well, not me, but the family. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you might have, might have. But uh, let's keep going. Your turn. I've never liked a girl enough to give her 12 sharp knives. <laughs> You're going to like this. Too lump. <laughs> love. Claire. Yeah. The Kama Sutra. The Hindu art of love. Read the inscription. No, you read the inscription. It says Christmas, and then the rest is... It's Sanskrit. It's Sanskrit. I, I, I didn't need any kind of manual. I, I want you to know that. Don't blow the ending for me now. Did that. Did it. Yeah. Done this. Done this. Buddy of mine did this. I never noticed that, though. I Just till right now, actually, I never noticed that. That's Van Morrison's brown-eyed girl in the background. I've never heard that song playing in the background of this movie until this moment. So, there you go. Throw that out there for you. Here we go. Now, this is ridiculous. I don't believe this for a second. It says there's a place that you can touch a woman that'll make her bark like a dog. (laughs) Okay, and on the bark like a dog thing, that must be a Bill Murray trademark. Um... 
because he also says this in the movie Caddyshack, and he also says it in Ghostbusters, and he says it in Groundhog Day. So he always tells another character they're going to bark like a dog. Must be some sort of trademark for him when he's able to uh, throw those lines out there. And um, just one more thing. So uh, let's go ahead. Let's roll a little more. Lassie's come home. Lassie, go get Gramps. Go get Gramps, Lassie. I wonder if you're female. Let's turn her over and find out. Hey! Oh, what a nice coat you have. I think I should give you a bath every week. Good morning, brothers! This is Mike the Mailman. Hey, Frisbee! I got something for you. Come on! Oh, there he is! Okay, we go forward again another year, and we're going to where Bill Murray's character is playing a dog on a kid's show called Frisbee the Dog. And, um, <laughs> and the guy playing the character with him, the mailman or whatever he is, I don't really, I probably won't be able to look for his name quick enough, but I know he was a character in the movie Total Recall. With Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay. and he's been in a ton of other movies uh, w- w- with other. I, he, I just can't pin him down of who he exactly is. He was also the doctor in Arachnophobia. Oh, that, the original one, the original Arachnophobia, where he died. So, um, anyway, here we go. Really gotta watch out for this one. Oh, what could it be, huh? Is it a, a pair of mittens? It's a bone. What could it be? Is it a book? It's a bone! <laughs> you can't figure it out, can you, Frisbee? It's a bone, you lucky dog! <laughs> it's a bone, you betcha! <laughs> oh, kids in the midst of village. Lassie's a pretty good friend, man. Eh? And we're through commercial break, folks. So how many reservations should I make? Oh, yes. Uh, there'll be you, me, my wife. Now, your wife's in Palm Springs. Oh, yes, yes, I forgot, of course. Well, I guess then uh, it'll be you and me. <laughs> and Frank. Frank, okay. I want you to have dinner with us tonight. You right. and your girl. Claire. Right, Claire. And order us a stretch limo, okay. too. See you downstairs. Okay. Hello. Why, you're Claire. Yes, that's Oh, hi, sweetheart. You almost ready? The president of the network just invited us to dinner. Oh, no, we can't tonight. We're going to uh, David and Kate's for dinner. We planned it for a month. If you can't expect a man like this to make plans a month in advance, we can have dinner with them next week. <laughs> next week? It's Christmas Eve. They're our best friends. It only comes once a year. Thanks, Bill Ben. Yeah, it is Christmas. It's a time to be a little bit less selfish, you know? Maybe if you could put my needs and the needs of the Frisbee show ahead of your own needs. I mean, I have been fighting for the integrity of this show. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. I'm sorry. I guess I didn't realize how important it is to you. Well, I'm willing to forgive you once in a while. I am. Frank, look. Maybe we should separate for a while. Excuse me. Estelle. Yeah? When is that limo leaving? Oh, right after the show. You know how he is. 
for a while and see how it goes. I mean, I, I know you've been under a lot of pressure. Well, it's been rough. All right, I'll try to come over later if I can. 15 seconds. Okay, so showing once again the mistakes he've made, he's made, the things he missed out on, the things he definitely should have done differently, and the things he was sort of blind to. Um, obviously, he was blind to the fact that he probably should have fucking not bitched at her about being selfish when he was the one kind of being selfish. And, um, you know, let's go ahead and play a little more of this part. Oh, real quick. Yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. character you were talking about, mm -hmm. uh, Julian Sands, could be wrong, but I think that's the guy because I was doing a little bit of research. There you go. Awesome. All right, here we go. A little more of this part. Yeah, I know there's a ton more movies he was in. <laughs> that guy, he was in a lot of movies. I mean, I don't usually recognize people from one movie. I guess I do sometimes, but All right, here we go. I'll tell him that you got hung up. Frisbee the dog? Frank, let me sum this up for you. You don't know who you are, you don't know what you want, and you don't know what the hell is going on. I've made a few mistakes. I gotta live with them. But I know who I am. I know what I want. And I know what's going on. Hey, Frank, over here. What's going on? How am I supposed to know? I'm only the ghost. So long, sucker. <laughs> hold on, hold, taxi. So there we go. There's our first ghost, the ghost of Christmas past. And uh, he comes back, and he's not sure where he is, but he's back at his set, and it's back in present day for the movie. And I gotta play this part because he goes off and it's hilarious. Because he's obviously not under, he knows nothing of what's really going on. Absolutely, yeah, I know what you're talking about. He's just out of it, and here we go. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one till the master passion greed engrosses you. Farewell, Ebenezer. May you be happy with the path that you have chosen. Well, I am happy with the path that I've chosen, you little bitch. In fact, I couldn't be happier. What are you, crazy? Yeah, buddy, I'm crazy. Crazy like a fox. Crazy enough to see through your little tricks. <laughs> I'm back. I can see now no one could have been that simple and good and sweet and kind and decent, yet caring, wonderful. Not on this planet. No, baby. Not unless they had something to hide, some sort of trick up their sleeve. You wouldn't try to trick me, would you? But don't try to trick me today, because I'm back, Jack. Maybe we'll just check things out over there at Operation Reach Out. Pick a side, Grandma. Goodbye, Chris. Thank you. Okay, so he's heading to Operation Reach Out, which is the card that <laughs> Claire gave him, and we get... Um, He's heading that way, talking to himself the whole time. He's, like I said, out of it. Right, Anthony? 
Yes, but it it added to it. It really kind of added to that manic Bill Murray energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It definitely did. And it works. Like I said, it always works for him. Um, he finally gets to the place. And I'll probably play this part, too, because, it, I mean, we're, we're, we're over halfway through the movie, by the way. Way over halfway. Um, and uh, I, I'll, I'll play this part, too. Now, they must... When he goes into this homeless shelter, the people there mistake him for Richard Burton, the actor. (laughs) And this is actually a callback of a Saturday Night Live skit he did in 1975. Wow. Yes, with Shelley Duvall. And he actually imitated Richard Burton's famous dramatic scenes. So this is actually something he had done, and it's sort of a reference back to his old uh, old SNL days. So very know, cool. Yeah, yeah, that is kind of cool. It's kind of cool how he, you know, this movie ties in a little bit of his old days, which it's hard to imagine. In 1988, Bill Murray had old days when I mean he's still the god of you know acting he is today, but. Uh, yeah, even back then, he was kind of, you know, just, I don't know, he's just grown into this, like, cult god. So, I don't know. I love Bill Murray. And, you know, there's always, there, there's even rumors that he's, like, tough to work with, just like in this movie. And he's a bit of a douche, but he's fucking Bill Murray. Yeah, and, and, and like, sometimes, like, you have to give a little leeway to those uh, creative geniuses because most of them can be hard to work with. They can, they are a little eccentric, but that's what make that's what makes them them. Exactly, exactly, it does. But uh, now we get to this, and we see uh, one of the residents here is an older gentleman. He has frizzy hair, and again, I don't know his name. Um, I know he was in two movies I can think of: Next of Kin with Patrick Swayze and Liam Neeson. And he was also the crazy inventor in Tango and Cash. Okay. So if you want to see him, those are the two movies I can think of he was in. And um, here we go. I'll try to catch him because I think his name is... Uh, here, hold on. We'll I can him. find it. You can play the clip. I can look it up. Uh. I'm Billy. Evan. Evan. Oh, oh, cocktail hour. Oh, Drink for Mr. Oh, Richard Burton. <laughs> Drink up. Here, Dave. Dream, just for me. For you, Dave. <laughs> that dick sure knows how to live. Why do you keep calling me Dick? I'm sorry, Mr. Burton. Maybe we don't know you well enough to call you Dick. But after Exodus 2 and Night of the Iguana, we thought we had something special. So please just do a couple of lines from Hamlet, please. Or the Sam Piper. Leave me alone. Do see a pleasure for me. Please do it. Claire, what you said if it happened again, then I should come by. I'm not going to play this whole scene. We'll skip this whole scene. Um, 
I believe his name is Herman in this movie, Anthony. Uh, yeah, and I believe the actor's name is uh, Michael J. Pollard. Okay, there you go. There you go. Um, Michael J. Pollard, see, full cast and crew. Michael J. Pollard, got him right here. Herman, there we go. He has been, like I said, I know those two movies off the top of my head by looking at them. Uh, again, next of kin. But this, uh, Tango and Cash, he was Owen. But this guy, I mean, he was even in A House of a Thousand Corpses in 2003. Um, I'm looking at, he was in uh, Dick Tracy. Uh, yep. Here. yep. Yep. My God, this guy goes way back, man. We're, I'm, dude, I'm back in 1964, three. 1958, he, this guy goes back to, man. Yeah, so he's definitely been around the block. Yeah, yeah, this guy's been doing movies forever and uh, still still with us. So, I don't know, he's even got uh, something in post-production, doesn't say when it's coming out, but really hasn't done much since 2011, 2012. Um, so, yeah, but definitely a, a guy that did a ton, 115 credits, so definitely got a few things to his name. But those two movies came to me right away when I saw saw that guy. So, uh, but anyway, he's, um, in this part, he's trying to, uh, he's trying to get Claire to go with him. And Claire's, she has a ton of work to do. People are coming up. They keep throwing things on her. They're out of turkeys. They're out of this. They're out of that. And Frank's just like, you know, fuck it. Tell your people to do their job. And he turns back into his douchebag self. Just when you thought he was turning, it didn't work. And um, it just didn't work for him. So he decides to, once again, leave. And he goes back on the set. And this is where we get where he sees. uh, Here we go. Let's go ahead and play this part here. Because he sees Mr. Cummings, his nemesis, running the show. His bones are gnawed by dogs. Why do I have to be molested by these sea actors? No, buddy, baby. Look, look, right here, buddy. Here's what it says. Street urchin. Why would I say sea urchin? Okay, everybody, what did he say? Huh? Sea urchin, street urchin. Street Oh, oh, he did say street urchin. I'm sorry, buddy. You're right. Okay, everybody, that's dinner. One hour. That includes walking time. One hour. You're doing great. You're doing great, buddy. We need more snow over here. We've got to watch that boom shadow, huh? You're right on my urchin. Oh, Frank. Man, baby, how are you? God, we were so worried about you. Are you okay? Everybody was worried sick, huh? You all right? Listen, I call the meal breaks around here. Oh, Frank, I'm sorry. Look, if it means that much to you, I'll call everybody back and you can tell them it's time to go to dinner. Hey, everybody, hold on a minute. Frank's got something to say to you. Go ahead. I think it's time you and I had a little talk, Preston. Frank, I'd love to, but you know, Preston asked me to stop by for a drink, so if you don't mind, I'll take a rain check, okay? There you go. So he's getting shown up by this guy, and this is where we get to meet the ghost of Christmas present. This is Carol Kane. Um, once again, I, I mentioned a few of the movies I've, I remember her from. Uh, I know she's done eight. Ton, 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 ton more. <coughs> Excuse me, a little tickle there in my throat. And uh, hasn't done much. Actually, she's on a show called Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I don't even know where that show is, but uh, it's apparently still running. Wow. So she's still doing shows now. 
but um, she's been in Law and Order. She was in a few episode, a couple episodes of Law and Order, uh, SVU. Uh, she was an attorney. I do remember those shows. Um, she's done a little bit of voice work, also, a little bit of voice work and some cartoons and stuff, but not really any big. She did a lot of TV acting. Uh, but again, I go back to the two things I remember her from, um, and especially the movie with um, the first power. Uh, she was also in My Blue Heaven. Have you ever seen that movie? It's been a long time. That's uh, Steve Martin, right? That is Steve Martin and Rick Moranis. Oh, yeah. Yep. She was also in Jumping Jack Flash. Uh, she did an episode of Cheers. She was even in, oh, she was in Taxi for 25 episodes. Mm, nice. So there you go. I didn't know that. But yeah, she was in Taxi for 25 episodes too. So definitely done a lot of, oh, Transylvania 6 5000. Talk about a fucking old goddamn movie. Old Jeff Goldblum movie. Um, so there you go. There's that. And I will go ahead and start playing this. And, uh, oh, looks like I left it on play and turned everything off. So give me a second. I'm going to get to the right part. Hi, Frank. Come on. Come on out and play with me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. feeling. Oh, why did you do that? Sometimes you have to slap them in the face just to get their attention. Fine. Slap me in the face. But you kicked me in the wall. It's time to begin the journey. Now, close your eyes and think. That was the part where she grabbed his lip so hard she actually split his lip open and they had to stop Filming for a, like a, a few days. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, after that, she hated that she had to be so mean to him. And but she kept it up, obviously, and played this part amazingly. So here we go. No, you close your eyes. Oh, no. I'm through. Don't with you them. Close your eyes and think of snowflakes and moonbeams and whiskers on kids. No picking. <laughs> Of rainbows, forget-me-nots, of misty meadows and sun-dappled pools. Oh, look, there's Mr. Hedgehog. I wonder where he's going. Perhaps to Harlem! My jaw. Oh, sometimes the truth is painful, Frank, uh-huh. but it's made your cheeks all rosy and your eyes bright as stars. If you touch me again, I'm going to rip your goddamn wings off, okay? Oh, <laughs> oh I like the rough stuff, don't you, Frank? Jingle, 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 jingle bells! Oh. Oh. 
Okay, so the first place they go as the ghost of Christmas present is to Grace's house to see how she's living. And here we go. Hey, Calvin. Hey, Calvin. Merry Christmas, Coley family! Whoa. <laughs> Mom, you don't have to come and get me. I couldn't roll the subway. I don't want you riding the subway this time of night by yourself. Are you ready? Yeah. Good. Hi. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, girls. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Is that all I'm going to get? Mm-hmm. Linnell, I'm going to get freshened up and I'm going to leave a minute. Get ready. Okay. Leave it alone. No one can do it. Shasta, Randy, you two go wash up now, you hear? Okay, Grandma. Oh, Randy, he did it. He's a bright little guy. Oh, yes. What's wrong with him? He hasn't spoken since he saw his father killed five years ago. He just drifted away. Sleeping Beauty. I didn't know that Grace's husband had died. Oh, Frank, don't you remember that period when she wore black for a year? I remember her wearing black, but I thought it was a fashion thing. I mean, people were wearing black, you know. Oh, Frank, my, my poor. Again, showing how oblivious he is to everyone else. And just that selfish Scrooge-type character. You know? Yeah. So, ah, let's keep going. Oh, wrong button. Well, is he going to be okay? It's his choice. Only he can break the spell. Oh, you want to be a doctor soon enough? This is Christmas, honey. Girls! Put some love in this Christmas yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. A Merry Christmas. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, Everyone. Mama. I'll check my records. She made me do for a raise. Oh, yeah, probably. Oh, oh, probably. I am. Perhaps. I'm almost positive. Beats the hell out of him. I didn't. I mean, she just beats the shit out of this poor guy. <laughs> um, and by the way, they were all giving each other raspberries. There, she just ripped his shirt open and started giving him raspberries. And um, I wouldn't mind if she did that to me, to be honest with you. Yeah, I will concur with that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was uh, she was kind of hot in this part. <laughs> kind of strangely hot. But uh, here we go. And I believe now we're going to his brother's place. Um, yes, that is where we're going. Go, go. You are right. Grace, there's nothing there. Come on. Come on. 
You shouldn't have given that to him. I wouldn't have given that to him. James, you forgot to open your brother's present. That doesn't look like a towel. What did he get from last year? That's right. Back when I mentioned he was giving out towels, he even gave his brother a towel. But Grace couldn't have that. So she changed it up to... Uh, I don't remember. I remember. We'll find out. A shower curtain. It was a beautiful shower curtain. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You don't have one. Well, what'd you get? I'm glad. I made this picture for him. He made it with his own little hair. Jackpot. It's your wow. basic top of the line Pioneer VCR. Wow. I, 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 I didn't get the gifts mixed up. My ex secretary got You invite him to Christmas dinner every year, and every year he's too busy to come. And when are you going to learn? Well, never. He's, he's my brother. A toast. To my brother Frank. I wish he was here. Were, Goofy. You're too good. Too Frank. You're Frank. You're the richest man you know. Keep the VCR. What the hell? It's only mine, honey. It's a write-off. It's tax deductible. I understand. Okay. What was the name of the boat that took them all to Gilligan's Island? Oh. Oh. This is so easy. You gotta know this. SS Macro. No. Leave me alone. I know this one. Everybody knows this one. Let's go now. Yeah, does everybody know this one? Oh, Frank, we're fighting again. It's not fighting anymore. Okay, so he falls, and he's in what looks to be a sewer basement somewhere like that. And um, he's down there, and at this point he sees Herman down there after a few minutes of being in there. Uh, and he's stuck. He can't get out. But he sees Herman, and Herman has frozen to death. And um, obviously, he's still screaming, still yelling. And, you know, he's even yelling at Herman. You know, I told you, why don't you stay at the shelter, blah, blah, blah. But then he finds a door. He hits the door, and he ends up on set, right on set. And uh, basically, he's running around. Everyone's trying to take care of him, telling him he's been gone for days. 
and the guy is going nuts. He thinks one of the he thinks the Grim Reaper uh, character from the from his movie is the other ghost, and he's just all fucked up. He's just all fucked up, going through different shit. And his movie is happening right now. The Scrooge movie is happening, um, going through the whole thing. But he don't forget he still has one ghost left to visit. And he does get his brother's gift, and it was a picture frame with a little message on his on his thing, you know, to Frank, the best brother in the world. And it makes him really, obviously, he's sad. But this is where we get the ghost of Christmas future. The future during the airing of the Scrooge movie that he's been pushing for so goddamn long. But um, as... We're doing that right before we get the ghost. Um, <laughs> we get Bobcat Goldthwait. Elliot comes back. Yes. <laughs> and uh, here we go. Oh, boy. No, no, me, boss. Yeah, you can the day before Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hello, rabbit. <laughs> Would you give me a running start? Sure. One thousand one, one thousand two, one thousand three. My gosh! My babies! Woo! Ah! 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 Oh, you better what? Can't you get back to me on this after the holidays? I've had a bad day. You had a bad day? Let me tell you a little bit about my day. I got fired? My wife left me? She took a little baby daughter. What the? I can't recall much after that because ever since then I've been crying, stinking. You gotta believe me, Elliot! I'm having a much worse day than you are! Much worse, really! So he falls into the elevator, and this is where he does meet the actual ghost of Christmas past. Um, not a lot of this I can play because the ghost doesn't speak, and it's very it's a lot of visual parts. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, the ghost of Christmas future. I said past. I apologize for that. But uh, this is where he meets the ghost of Christmas future, and he sees Grace and an older, you know, her little boy that doesn't speak. They're in a uh, mental institution, you know, padded room, and he's still not speaking. He sees a lot of things happening that he just doesn't like. Uh, Grace, uh, I'm not Grace, Claire turns out to be a bitch because of the what, what he said to her. You know, don't, if you're going to save someone, save yourself. She's not the helpful person anymore. Basically, he's seeing exactly what he's done by the things he's done, especially the last part here where he actually sees his brother crying over his own grave. Uh, yeah. 
and you know he's screaming as much as he can help 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 i'm burning i'm burning and they won't let him out um but he's alive at this point and he ends up back in the elevator and he's with uh he ends up with elliot now if you don't mind, Anthony, we need to take a quick break. My dog is barking, and there is no one at my house to let him out. No problem. All right, so let's take a quick break, uh, and we will be back. I'm sorry, we'll be back in just a minute, y'all. Thanks. Gotcha. All right, sorry about that, everybody. Uh, I got no one here to let the dog out, so the dogs are barking. I got to go, because he'll just keep fucking barking. So anyway. <laughs> We left off where he was just finished visiting the ghost of Christmas future and his brother James was standing over his coffin, but uh, he's in there as the coffin is being cremated, screaming, yelling, let me out, let me out. And that is where we left off right now. Um, and again, he's back. He ends up back with Elliot, Bobcat Goldthwait. And we'll play a little bit of this. Uh, I know, I probably played way more of this movie than I should have. Um, yeah. It was a tough one because there's so many... The way this movie was done, there's so many really important parts. And it's just such a great movie. And I'm, you know... According to... According to the movie critic uh, Roger Ebert, this was the worst adaptation of A Christmas Carol he had ever seen. I think this is the best. I'll be honest. I've only seen the original one time. Yep. I've seen this movie probably a hundred. Wow. Yeah. This movie to me, I, I like I said, this is my second favorite Christmas movie. This is when starting like the week when, you know, Christmas starts, I will play a Christmas story, this movie, and Christmas Va National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. On a loop. And I'll throw Uncle Buck in every now and then. Just oh, yeah. Uncle Buck, yeah. Just mix it in. Throw it in. You know. But uh oh I'm sorry. I mean, interrupt. what about planes and trains? Planes, trains, and automobiles. That's Thanksgiving, dude. It's Thanksgiving movie. I watched it four times over Thanksgiving. Oh, so you kept that tradition alive. Oh, I do. I, the, 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 that will forever be one of my favorite movies. Forever. Yeah. Forever. I don't care how old I am. That movie will will die with me as one of my favorites because I just love it, um, and you know it's John Candy at his greatest. It really yes. is. So, all right, let's go ahead and play a little bit of the scene though with um, Bill Murray and Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> Twice your original salary. 
I make my vice president in charge of program, and I give you an office up here. Would you like my office? No, I don't like your office. <laughs> uh, so you. What's the catch? The catch is that you gotta take a shower, little man. You are right. Whoa. There's problem here. I was looking for a Francis Xavier Cross. That's me. But the great thing is, it's not me. <laughs> the Jews taught me this great word. Schmuck. I was a schmuck. And now, I'm not a schmuck. Wait a minute. What time? Somebody's still not much. Who are you? We didn't miss it. <laughs> we didn't miss it. We didn't miss what? Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Woo! Are you alone in there? We're going to have some fun. You and I are going to have some fun for once in this life. Louder milk and cross together. All right. So from here, we go, and the movie Scrooge is still going on and going on. And um, as they're going for the scene where the you know the guy uh, <coughs> where they throw the uh, coin down, Frank grabs it. Yeah. And this is one hundred percent a scene I'm going to play. Uh, this is his rant. His the ending of this movie and uh it's really great it wraps up the movie well and it's 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 really a touching little part of the movie i love it like i said i'm a little biased i love this movie um and by the way you'll see i'm even using my uh christmas story koozie anthony see that yeah and on this side you'll shoot your eye out awesome <laughs> oh the things people get me um now did you get the did you get your hand i mean i Right, but did you get your hands on the lamp? I've had we. I actually have lights that are the lamps that go around the Christmas tree. Oh, and for Hanukkah this year, my wife got me lamp sh- uh, shot glasses. Oh, nice leg lamp shot glasses. So you got a good one. Oh yeah, I haven't had time to use them yet, and we haven't gone to the liquor store. But uh, maybe I'll run out there. I can't do it tomorrow. Where? We're a blue state, so it's closed on Sundays. Monday. Yeah, we're Monday. 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 But uh, let's go ahead and play this whole rant by Frank Cross, the new Frank Cross, kind of like the new Daniel Bryan. This is the new Frank Cross. Here we go. All the coin all the way down. Oh, I got it. Holy shit, that's Frank Cross. He's drunk. He's oh, nuts. <laughs> He's finished. What's your name, son? Mike. Mike, say hello to your folks, will you? Hi. Mike is doing a great job here. That's Frank Cross. Uh, I am. Frank is he supposed Cross. to be in the show? I am the president what of the IBC the... Network. Good evening, and uh, uh, with me in the booth is Elliot Lattermilk. Elliot, how are we doing up there? Open his mic. Wonderful, but um, I don't think you're going to be president tomorrow. I at least I am the president uh, of the network tonight. Tomorrow morning, I may not be. You can uh, bet your aunt Susie's ass dead on that. So what? Are you doing watching television on Christmas Eve? They're paying your salary, you ass! <laughs> what kind of, a, of a, a rat bastard idiot would schedule a live show on a Christmas Eve? Only you, Frank. <laughs> you know, a week ago, I'd have kicked your butt right out of the building. But you know something? He's absolutely right. You are looking at a guy who told someone today 
to staple antlers to a mouse's head to further my career. How many of you people have got the brass cojones to try something like that? Follow him, follow him, stay with him. Family. I don't know where he's going. Uh, all these people, I'm sure, have incredible families, but I have. Look, I got a great brother. Look at this guy here. My brother James. Look how cute he was back then. And look at me with the, the ears, the taxi driving down the street with the doors open. And got my hair growing, huh? <laughs> I got this for Christmas today from him. I gave him a towel. The VCR is from Grace. You were right about everything, okay? Except. SS Minnow, James. What was the ship that brought them all to Gilligan's Island? The SS Minnow. No points this round, James. Wait a minute. How did he Wait a minute. Hello, Wendy. Ouch! Hello? Um, control room, how can I help you? This is Rhinelander. I want to talk to the idiot who put that moron on the air. Oh, um, Bryce Cummings is the idiot, sir. But he can't talk to you right now because uh, he's tied up. Uh-huh. Yes, in fact, he just said... By the way, he's literally tied up, just so you guys know. He's not joking. He, he's really telling the truth here. He is tied up. So, you know, he, he's not fucking around. He's tied up in a wreath, a little bit of electric cord, and um, he will be raped soon. <laughs> so, there we go. Let's play a little more. You that you are a flatulating butthead? A butthead? He said he never felt that way about a man before, but he really liked you in a certain way. I Oh, oh. Whoa, I grabbed her. I'm just kidding. She's a doll. It's okay. Oh. <laughs> it's all right. It's a party. Come on, it's Christmas Eve. Lighten up a little bit. Billy, we are going to need champagne for 250 people, and please send the stuff that you send to me. Don't send the stuff that I send to other people. <laughs> you know, it's not too late on Christmas Eve to have fun. You, you can call people that you haven't seen. You can call a college roommate. You can call, you know, an old army buddy. Keep that tape rolling. Your personal banker. Hey! I don't hear any partying in that boat, Elliot! Great! Accidental discharge. Now why wasn't I invited? Now that was just an innocent window and you saw what I did to that! You know what you're dealing with. I mean, uh, it's a night. You've got a party. When did Bobcat get all gangsta? (laughs) I, I never caught that about Bobcat. That was kind of funny, though. All right, we'll keep going here. Howdy, Marty. Look at this. Check this out. Whoa. Don't be so mean. Uh, look at this. There's a rule. There's a tradition that says, I have to kiss this girl on the lips. By the way, Bill Murray is the luckiest guy in the world because this girl is incredibly gorgeous. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> oh, my God. Is she amazing. So, And this gives... The censor an idea. This is where she rapes Bryce Cummings. Boy, that was very good. That, but you know what? It wasn't great. There has only been one great. There is a girl that I wish I were with tonight. It's a girl that I, I loved a long time ago. A girl that I still love. It's Christmas Eve. It's not too late. Is it? Claire, do you remember? Legs around like this, then this thing here. You circle me, chanting, burning incense before we begin. Tonight, I think we could do this without serious physical 
or psychological damage. Can you get me to the IBC building in three minutes? Which floor? Oh. And she runs into the ghost of Christmas past who takes her to the building. That was nice of her. <laughs> That's some Buster Poindexter shit right there, bro. Death. <laughs> sort of a miracle because it happens every Christmas Eve and if you waste that miracle you're gonna burn for it I know what I'm talking about you have to do something you have to take a chance you do have to get involved there are people that are having having trouble making their miracle happen there are people that don't have enough to eat there are people that are cold you can go out and say hello to these people you can take an old blanket out of the closet and say here you can make them a sandwich and say oh by the way here I get it now. And if you if you give, then you then it can happen. Then the miracle can happen to you. It's not just the poor and the hungry. It's it's everybody who's got to have this miracle. And it can happen tonight for all of you. If you believe in this spirit thing, you, you the miracle will happen, and then you'll want it to happen again tomorrow. You won't be one of these bastards who says Christmas is once a year and it's a fraud. It's not. It can happen every day. You've just got to want that feeling. And if you like it and you want it, You'll get greedy for it. You'll want it every day of your life, and it can happen to you. I don't, I believe in it now. I believe it's gonna happen to me now. I'm ready for it. And I, it's great. It's a good feeling. It's, it's really better than I've felt in a long time. I, I, I'm ready. Have a Merry Christmas, everybody. Did I forget something, big man? And there we go. Calvin spoke. Anthony. <laughs> Anthony. Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> you fell asleep. Again. Don't try I to can... lie. I heard you snoring. I can't lie. You're right. I doze. The whole, all of our listeners will hear the same thing. Oh, God. I'm so sorry, bro. Oh, shit. So there we go. Calvin spoke. Yes. You think this is the same Calvin that got a job at McDonald's? Maybe. It might just be. Who knows? So, there we go. (laughs) <laughs> this is what happens when you work overtime, folks. 
Bro, Even imagine on if Saturday. We, imagine if we started the show at the usual time. We started an hour early. And <laughs> yes. All right. Anthony, we're almost done. Give us another no. uh, We'll be done in a couple minutes here. Uh, no, that was <laughs> a wide awake now. It okay. just happened. <laughs> Always happens. Oh, Oh, shit. This is a tra- this has become like a tradition of our show. I guess so, man. But yeah, he finally speaks. Calvin speaks, and Claire shows up, and um, it's obvious. I mean, it, it's the moment he's been waiting for. He even drags Claire out, and we'll go ahead and play the part. Let's see if Anthony can stay awake. We'll play yes. the part where he he's drags up. her. <laughs> he drags her out there. Lumpy, 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 no. Oh, it's like boning a marlin. Claire, the whole world, whole world, Claire. And they lived happily ever after. They go through, they're singing the song. I'll put it in the background a little bit here. He sees all the dead, you know, all the ghosts, and even Herman over there with the ghosts. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Claire's like, what the hell are you looking at? He goes, ah, nothing. But um, <laughs> at one point in the song, he yells, feed me, Seymour. Obviously, sort of... Uh, calling back his part in Little Shop of Horrors from two years ago where he had a very small part in that movie. And, um... But, uh... Anyway, they show all the families. Everyone's having a great time. Everyone's dancing to the music. Um, This was a really good ending to this movie. With this song going and seeing everybody uh, just, you know, singing to it, dancing to it. Here we go. Little rant in the middle of the song. There you go. Come on, let's hear it for you folks out there. Come on. You don't know the words. Come on. Come on, let's hear it from this side of the theater. Come on, just over here. All right. All right, that's no good. Come on, let's try the other side of the theater. Come on. All right, how about just the men? Come on. You know, I gotta tell you. Oh God. Hold on. All right, all right, the women, the women now. Oh, God, he only mentioned two genders. That would be horrible nowadays. Um, Oh, speaking of it, uh, oh, did you see that? (laughs) We'll get to it. We'll wrap this up first, but, um, did you, uh, check your, uh, Facebook? I haven't yet, no. Yeah, sent you a little something earlier. On, uh, Messenger or just on Facebook? Yeah, Messenger. Ah, I see right now. Ties into what you just said about gender. I have seen this. I have oh. seen this. Um, yes, yeah, some say it's time for. It's like twenty-seven percent of people, I believe, is the actual thing. Believe Santa should be gender neutral. Oh Jesus! Um, go fuck yourself. Yes, and this, yeah, this is not a man thing or woman. It's fucking Santa Claus. Let just let Santa be Santa, please. Yeah, please listen. He has a wife. There is no reason. No reason for this shit to keep fucking happening again 
we're putting ourselves in an impossible utopian, which I don't know if anyone knows, but utopia does not fucking exist. But we are putting ourselves to an impossible standard. If we start pleasing everyone, we are heading towards Demolition Man. Yes, we are. We are. We're going to have to do that movie at the beginning of the year because we're heading that way. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely going to have to. Um, but yeah, I, I, no, no. Anthony, if you want to, I, I rented on that. Go ahead and give me your opinion on Mr. Gender Neutral Santa. Or I'm sorry, Gender, yeah, I said Mr. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I just think the whole concept of this let Santa be Santa. I just think the whole concept is kind of ridiculous. Like, you can, like, you can't please everybody. And just the fact that we're even having that type of conversation. I don't know, man. I don't know. What do you think it is with these people? Do you think that they're just so desperate to kind of like have their own, what's the, their own March on Washington, their own civil rights movement, like history that they'll never, they weren't there for, they'll never experience. So it's almost like they're trying to create their own, their own moments, trying to re, you know, create every wrong, fix every wrong, I should say. That they perceive to be like an injustice. I mean, come on. I don't know. And to be honest with you, dude, I'm not even fucking. I I don't even get the whole gender neutral thing. And I really don't get gender fluid. What you can just decide what gender you are day by day. I don't think so. I don't. I, 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 I don't get it. And I know that sounds horrible for me to say. Oh, he's he's something whatever phobic. Well, I'm no, I'm not. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And I don't see why we have to try pleasing everybody. I'm I'm sorry, but I grew up not worrying about every little person's feelings. Uh, if you live long enough, you're going to hurt a few people's feelings. You may feel bad about it. Some of you might not. But it's going to fucking happen. It's going to happen. I, 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 I don't know, man. It happens. <laughs> it's a fucked up world we're living in. And like I said, man, we're literally heading towards demolition, man. Literally. Yes. We're, I mean, we're, it's almost like we're going to start getting fined for using the word fuck or shit. I'm waiting for my computer to tell me, you know, that I just got a fucking $30 fine. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's where we're headed. It's where we're headed. You think they got spies? You think they got, spy, you think they got uh, <laughs> spies on these podcasts just kind of like listening in? And it's just going to be like Armageddon and just going to shut down everything one day. Just like, fuck it. Fuck it all. Nah, I don't know about that. Hit a button. Next thing you know, everybody goes black. I hope not. Oh, geez. Now we have to go, now we all have to go black. Jesus, Anthony. <laughs> My God, this is getting worse. I mean, <laughs> you know what they say. Once you go black, you never. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Per, you have the perfect straight man box. Oh, perfect straight man. <laughs> uh, please don't say that. I, 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 you're not allowed to be heterosexual in 2018. Yeah, but yeah, come to think of it, you ever notice how? Why? Why isn't there a heterosexual pride march? No. Why, why is it there? Why is there only a gay pride march? Because if you like, gotta be thinking about that. You know why? Because it's fucking stupid. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Uh, and, and this is not me taking a shot again. I don't care. Like, you know, do what you want to do. Whatever makes you happy. Oh, but yeah. the whole notion of a gay pride parade and there's no there's no march for straight males. Come on now. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I have no problem with the gay pride parade. 
I've actually been to what is technically um, a, gay, a gay parade. It's called Fantasy Fantasy Fest. It's in Key West. Tons. It, it's during Halloween, and there's a parade <laughs> like the whole week. Every week, okay. once a night, they parade down the street, and tons of guys are dressed in drag. And I have no problem with it. I had a blast. We, I, I, me and my buddy went down there twice. It was the funnest time I ever had, dude. It's literally like Mardi Gras. They're throwing beads. You know, women are showing tits and throwing beads. And it's the same shit as like a Mardi Gras. But it's during Halloween. It's in key, It's down in the Keys. And it's f- the most fun I've ever fucking had, dude. The okay, most Bob, fun. You've converted me. You said tits. Yeah, I have no oh, issues yeah. now with the gay property. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, Fantasy Fest basically is a gay pride parade. Tons of cross dressing, tons of fucking people, you know, guys dressed as girls, girls even dressed up as guys wearing suits and shit. But mostly it's guys dressed as girls and they're, it's a parade every night for that week of Halloween. But goddamn, dude, we went twice and I was, I had a blast. We were drunk as fuck and having the best fucking time of our lives, dude. Now, let me ask you, Bucks, mm-hmm. since you, you know, you admitted to having fun there. Uh-huh. No, it's not that type of question. But, uh, the, the, uh, who made the drinks? We would just get, we, we, we were bar to, you just walk, dude. You go from bar to bar. Oh. Oh, just, uh, regular bars, no gay bars or anything. And I'm not even trying to be funny, like, gay bars or anything like that. Cause you always hear they have a, uh, way with the drinks. Ah, uh, yeah. This was before all that shit, dude. Um, oh, gotcha. Yeah, this is before all that shit was going on, dude. You could, I mean, we, we did, you just went from bar to bar to bar to bar and grabbed a drink here. When you ran out, you went to the, the, the bar, right? The strip you go down is nothing but bars. I mean, from, oh. it, it, it start, Margaritaville is one of the most famous bars there, but you just walk that street. I really want to say that's Duval Street. I, I think that might be one of the names of that, that, of the name of that street. You just walk that street and there's bars all the way down. It's just a street of bars, restaurant, bar, but they all serve alcohol. And I'm a beer guy, so you can't put nothing in my bottle. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, but it's a blast. And even the, 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 you know, the, 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 the you know, the guys that were dressed as girls, they were fun as hell. But make sure you call them girls. If you call them Guys, they get mad at you. Just call them girls. They were taking pictures with us. That it was the most fun I've ever fucking had, dude. The most fun I've ever had. It was a great time down there. Yeah, they they weren't hitting on us. They weren't bothering us. It's that's why when people oh you're home, you call someone homophobic literally means they are scared of a gay person. Yeah. I think that's a real, that term is getting really fucking played out, dude. You know what? A lot of terms are getting played out. Even the word racist now is getting played out. Like yep. completely just, it's almost lost its meaning, you know? But, uh, anyway, Anthony, we said we were going to end on the diehard Christmas movie or not. I say 100% that is a Christmas movie. I don't give a fuck if the writer of the movie says it wasn't. I don't give a fuck. It's a fucking Christmas movie. I don't give a fuck if Bruce Willis says it wasn't. God damn it. It's a fucking Christmas movie. Okay. They were at a Christmas party. I don't get, yeah, I, I guess people are trying to hang their hat on. Well, it came out in July. Doesn't matter. 
it still had a Christmas theme. He, he was at a Christmas party. It was it was a Christmas party. It was a holiday party. There were two Christmas songs in that movie. <laughs> okay, it was a Christmas fucking movie. Die Hard Christmas movie. Lethal Weapon Christmas movie. You got a problem with it? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know why that's a, a debate. Why that's an argument? I will <laughs> fight this to the. Death, goddammit. Yeah, matter of fact, we should create a what? We should, we, we should create a website off of that. Call it Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Die Hard to the death. <laughs> God damn it! I will fucking throw punches over fucking you call Die Hard not a Christmas movie. I'll fucking throw down with your ass. Damn right. God damn right I will. But yeah, overall though, we should finish on this note. Scrooge. Uh, Five raindrops. I mean, I loved it. It's a good movie. Um, I am surprised though that do you think were you surprised at how long it took them to uh get to the get to the point where he has like that like revelation of I shouldn't be such a shitty person because it, it did seem like he was a shitty person almost to the end of the movie. It took to almost then and the end of the movie for him well, to kind of like make that switch. Well, yeah, it had to take the third ghost. It had to take, you know, they had to go through all three ghosts. I mean, if he switched before, it wouldn't have been worth the Ghost of Christmas Future. Jesus, Anthony, get with the fucking movie. You know what I mean. I know. It it just took him a while to crack. Yeah, it did. But, yeah, I think that's the way the movie was obviously played. It was, you know, uh, obviously the way it was played out in A Christmas Carol 2, where, you know, it took all three ghosts. And at the end of the movie, he became a good guy. So, so the takeaway from this movie would be Frank Cross, good guy or bad guy. He was a dick throughout the whole movie, Anthony. Suddenly he turns into a good guy. Does that expunge everything he did before that? So does that make him a good guy? The good guy in the movie or the bad guy in the movie? Mm. Mm. This makes sound kind of, but it's almost like I feel like, even though I, I kind of like hate the concept of remakes and sequels, because mm-hmm. this movie didn't need it, but I, I think to answer your question, you would almost need like a sequel to this movie because even though he made the switch at the end, because he didn't really have a chance to redeem, we didn't see him have a chance to really redeem himself. All right, I think you would almost have to have like some type of a sequel to kind of like see how he kind of like put everything into practice. Yeah, and just so you know, I would actually absolutely despise a sequel of this movie. But that does bring up an idea that I wanted to do maybe for the next show. Um, sequels that were better than the originals. Oh, that's actually interesting. There's not that many, so I figured we could go through and maybe uh, give a few of our opinions on sequels that were better than original movies. and Maybe that'll be the next show. So that was actually a good segue to roll into that, Anthony. And, uh, yeah, man, I don't, uh, but yeah, to me, I would say good guy. And here's why I would say good guy. As it's not like he was out murdering people and then he suddenly stopped and became this good person. He was a shrewd businessman and learned the error of the ways of being a shrewd businessman. But, I think by the end of the by the end of the movie, he was still a good guy, and I mean he was still cracking jokes with people. People didn't get him, and I think that's where throughout the movie he was a good guy who was 
I don't want to say trained, but almost by the, you know, the early job he had at the, you know, station, he was almost trained to kind of be the person he was, which, yeah. and he realized, you know, from all his mistakes. So, yeah, that's kind of where I think he would end up being the good guy of the movie. And he did end up being the good guy in the movie. And I think throughout the movie, he was the good guy. It just took a while to show us the good guy yeah. of the movie. Yeah, that's actually a good point. You know, he was just like misguided. Like he did, he, his priorities were out of way. He wasn't, like you said, he wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't out there murdering people. Yeah, he treated people like shit, but there's really no, it's no crime to be an asshole. You just gotta, you know, eventually kind of like realize that, you know, what's more important, what's the, what's most important about life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I got nothing else. You got anything else? No. Scrooge. Go watch it. Scrooged. Excellent movie. Like I said, it's my second favorite uh, movie. This and A Christmas Story. Love these two fucking movies. I will definitely probably watch Scrooge another, probably at least another 15 times till Christmas. Of course. Now, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. You said it's your second favorite Christmas movie. Is it your favorite Bill Murray movie? Favorite Bill Murray movie, dude. I might have to go with the Ghostbusters on that man. The first one, the original. Me, man. I, it's just Ooh, it's so many. Patty it's Patty. like God, it's a three way tie for me between what uh, Ghostbusters. And I want to say, yeah, matter of fact, I'm gonna go four four way ties. Like between Ghostbusters, Stripes, What About Bob, and. Oh. Uh, Groundhog Day. Oh, what about Bob? And I'm, I'm going to make you watch Groundhog Day one day because that that will be reviewed soon. Yeah, definitely. I I I'd like I like I said I've seen pieces of it. I've never seen the whole movie. Sat down and fucking watched it. I'd love to because I've heard great things about it. But I need to watch that movie. So I'd like to actually do a review of it. Um, yeah, but I ain't going to cut you off. You're going to say something about what about Bob? I can't believe I forgot about that movie. Amazing movie with Richard Dreyfuss. Love that fucking movie. Absolutely love that movie. That's definitely up there as as, as a uh, Bill Murray favorite. But uh, Ghostbusters, I kind of liked the womanizing, drinking doctor. That sort of fits Bill Murray, and I don't know. That's probably my favorite Bill Murray movie. Ah, mm. it's, it's pathetic, but Scott and Rybred agrees. Ghostbusters all the way. Yeah. Oh, another one. I mean, I, I, I can't say it's my favorite though. But another uh, good one he was in was a quick change. Remember that one? Never seen that. You have to see that. It's a good I'll one. I have to. I will have to check that one out too. See, I'm getting movies to watch here. But uh, yeah, Scrooge. Like I said, my second favorite Christmas movie. Um, man, I, I, it would definitely be at least top three of my favorite Bill Murray movies, just because I love the Christmas movie and I watch it so much. Love it, and I think this character was another one that fit him well, which we discussed earlier in the show. And uh, this has been long enough. We're going on definitely probably three and a half uh, hours here. And and uh, for the record, I was up for the majority of them. You, so you only fell asleep once, I think. Yes, it was towards the end. So yeah, okay. yeah, no, no, it's cool. But um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm no I'm, thanks I'm, for I'm, hanging. Definitely the box. Obviously, the chat room. Love y'all. Not sure about uh if we're going to do a show next time around because of the holiday season. So if we don't talk to you, 
Have a safe and happy holiday season. Spend time with your family. Don't be a dick. Please, please don't talk politics. <laughs> yes, yes. When you are at the Christmas dinner table, leave politics out of it. Don't worry about all that shit. And like Anthony said, if we don't talk to you guys, definitely have a happy holiday. Uh, we'll probably squeeze one more in somewhere. We'll yeah. figure it out. If we have to even record it, it might be pre-recorded, but we'll get something in. Um, like I said, maybe we'll do that, uh, sequels better than or something. We'll figure something out. Oh no, and, we'll put that. No, definitely. That's actually a good kind. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll squeeze that in somewhere and, uh, appreciate the chat room st- sticking with us. And, uh, we will see you guys next time, I guess. Yeah. Next time. We'll see y'all next time. Later, everybody. Peace.